with our tradition, bow to my right and bow to my left. And having done so, request delegates to observe a moment of silence for prayer or meditation. Thank you very much. Um, no, thank you very much. Um, uh, just to remind the kids that uh, the rules uh, and the processes apply uh, to this hybrid uh, sitting. But before we proceed, uh, uh, I would like to remind to, to, to make the following announcements and, and, and remind delegates accordingly of the, uh, the processes and, 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 and rules as indicated. Uh, firstly, that the hybrid sitting was constituted sitting of the National Council of, of Provinces that delegates in the hybrid sitting enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply to a sitting of the National Council of Provinces, that for purposes of the quorum, uh, all delegates who are locked on to the virtual platform shall be considered uh, present, that delegates must switch on their videos if they want to speak, that delegates should ensure that the microphones in their gadgets are muted, and must always remain muted unless they, they want to, to, to speak. That all delegates in the chamber must, must connect to the virtual platform as well as, uh, uh, insert their cards to register uh, on the chamber system. That delegates who are physically in the chamber must use the floor microphones and switch, switch the uh, microphones on when they need to address the, the chairperson, that all delegates may participate in the discussions through a, a chat room, and that interpretation facility is active. Uh, uh, permanent delegates, members of the executive, special delegates, and, and some representatives on the virtual platform are requested to ensure that the interpretation facilities on their gadgets are properly activated to facilitate access to interpretation services. Permanent delegates and members of the executive in the chamber should use the interpretation gadgets on their desks to access the interpretation uh, facilities. Having done that, uh, uh, we will now allow uh, uh, space to deal with the uh, motions. So we start with the Notices of motions. Uh, uh, so I call on, on members who have notices of motions to indicate. So we'll start with Kai, then we'll go to Mzamai, Muimang, and at the back there. Okay. Yeah. Please don't try uh, to raise your, your hands. We'll, we'll start with Honorable Kai. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, Chairperson. 
I hereby give notice on behalf of the African National Congress that the House, in its next sitting, one debate urgent measures aimed at addressing slow growth and rising unemployment after the results of the second quarter GDP uh, decreased uh, by 0.7% after two consecutive quarters of positive growth. I so move, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you very much, Honorable Member. Let's move on to Honorable Mukamai. Thank you, Chairperson. I raise on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters that cancel debate at its next sitting, the terrible state of roads in Enfulen local municipality, which are infected with the potholes and currently stand as a dead trap. I so move. Thank you, Chair. Uh, yeah, thank, 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 thank you very much. The next, I think it was on this row. Yeah, yeah no, none. Yes, my man. Then I'll go to the back. Uh, thank you. Dr. Masundo, Chairperson of the Regional Council of Province. I hereby move uh, on behalf of the African National Congress that the House in its next sitting, debate mechanisms to address the continuous periodic uh, taxi violence occurring in the Nyanga and related township linked to industry whenever they have a problem with the law causing a walk, disruption of public transport, and putting the lives of the communities in danger. I so move. Thank you, the National Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Mima. Let's go right at the back. Um, Chair, I've got a motion with Chairperson. Sorry, Chair, mine is without notice. Yeah, no, let's 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 wait. Uh, let's start with the uh, yes, uh, and then uh, China Tutu will follow. Thank you, Chairperson. On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move a motion that at its next sitting, this House debates full ownership and title deeds to land reform beneficiaries and ownership to those living on trust land with commun- within communal areas. I so move. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable China Dodovu. Yeah, thank you very much, Honorable Chair. I, I hear my move on behalf of the African National Congress that the House in its next sitting debate tightening of measures geared at discouraging people from selling their houses after receiving their title deeds. Noting that beneficiaries of government subsidized houses become indigent again and government cannot build them houses for the second time, so I move. Yes, uh, thank you very much, Anchana Dodogo. Uh, any other notice of motion? Um, thank you very much. We'll then proceed. Oh, sorry, sorry, just two, <laughs> two more. Uh, 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 
let's let's start with uh, honorable karim uh, on on, uh, on, on the, the system yes sorry i apologize for that mine is without notice so i think it's the next item okay no but I'm sorry about i'm sorry yeah no thank you very much we'll we'll, we'll come back to you uh, chief whip without notice chair <laughs> <laughs> please, please. Yeah, I can wait. Oh, I'll come geez. back to you. I'll come. I'll come back to you. No, no. Thank you very much. Um, uh, what that does is take us to uh, uh, motions without without notice. I see there are so 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 many, so many. What we'll do? We'll start with uh, honourable. Uh, uh, Chief Whip, and then go to to Karim. Yes, Chief. Whip. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces. <laughs> Allow me to rise without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that this August House note with great sense of loss the passing away of Mr. Pani James Mushoyana last week after a short illness. Comrade Pani Mushunyana was amongst the generation of the 1976 youth uprising who joined the ranks of the progressive anti-apartheid educators in the 1980s in Botsabelo Township in the now Mangawung Metropolitan Municipality. James Pani Mushunyana played a critical and selfless role in the conscientization of young activists who later came to play critical and leading roles in different capacities at various levels in post-apartheid reconstruction and development in South Africa, a land activist and a selfless servant of the people till the end. We therefore call upon this August House to extend a message of heartfelt condolences to the family of the African National Congress, the entire family of Mushonyan in the Free State, and assure them that their loss is our loss and we share pain and grief in this difficult moment. May his soul rest in peace. I so move. Thank you very much. Uh, any objection to the motion? No, no objection. And there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the, of the Constitution. Let's then move on to Honorable Karim. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Unless you misunderstand, I didn't raise the issue prematurely so you can notice me and then ensure that I do, in fact, speak early. Uh, it just happened. I didn't notice it was without notice until now. But the, the, the African National Congress moves without notice that the House notes with deep sadness the death of 19 learners and two adults in a collision between a bucky and a truck near Pongola in northern KZN on Friday last week, 16th of September. Also note that two adults lost their lives, including a driver of bucky and an assistant teacher. Believes that every life lost on the road is one too many, and urges road users to obey the road safety rules and regulations. Fortly commends the law enforcement agencies for arresting the driver of the truck that caused the accident and conveys its condolences to all the families who lost loved ones in the incident and wishes the survivors a speedy and full recovery. I so move. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, Any objection to the motion? None. There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Uh, we'll proceed to, uh, again, on the platform to look at Honorable Detroit. 
Honorable Detroit. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I move on behalf of the Freedom from Plus without notice that the House notes the devastation caused by the recent disaster of the Tailings Dam wall that collapsed at Jakobsfontein. Notes the extent of the damage that um, impacted negatively on agriculture, fresh water supply, lives and livelihoods. Notes that the career-run Tailings Dam in the northwest on the banks of the Val River, just upstream from a water purification plant, could pose an environmental threat not only to the Val River, but also the Orange River system, if not managed properly. And notes that the career-run Tailings Dam issue was brought before this House on a previous occasion, without visible action from the relevant committee or the House. I so move, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, any objection to the motion? There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the of the Constitution. Honorable Dango. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Chairperson, I move on behalf of the African National Congress that this August House and the people of South Africa note with concern the persistence of political instability in most of the municipal councils led by the Democratic Alliance coalitions since the last uh, local government elections. At the core of this is the political instability, its poor leadership, racist bullying of the minority coalition partners by the DA, and the elevation of political patronage. I so move, Chairman. Object to this. I object, Chair. Uh, so, um, uh, so formally, there's an objection to the motion. Uh, and there being an objection, the motion may be proceeded with and will become a notice of a, of a motion. Thank you Which very much. Happily debate, Chair. Uh, we will uh, then proceed uh, to EFS. Let's see. Yes, the Nana. Nana and then... Uh, okay. <laughs> Chair. Chairperson. Chairperson, you know, in the DA, uh, we have uh, manners. So, uh, ladies first. <laughs> so, we'll start with you, madam. Thank you, Chair. The African National Congress moves without notice that the House welcomes the arrest of suspect Nico Ibrahim, suspected of being part of corrupt official involved in the sale of South African identities to foreigners. At the Home Affairs Office in El Dorado Park, Johannesburg, on Friday, 16 September 2022, note that Mr. Ibrahim has been on the run since April this year after the arrest of alleged recruiter Mohammed Ali and allegedly corrupt former Home Affairs official Ntlahlamatebule and Chogloprend, and four others involved in a photo swap scheme at the Home, home Affairs Office in White River, Mpumalang. Recall that Home Affairs has been intensified this operation since the arrest of Pakistan King Ping and 19 other people, including Home Affairs officials in Krugerstadt on March 24. Commend the Department of Home Affairs for its concerted efforts to intensify its fight against syndicate involved in the sale of SA identities to foreigners. 
and calls for the law enforcement agents and Department of Home Affairs Counter Corruption Unit to do more in arresting these culprits as this king of this kind of corruption has negative consequence on our security as a country. I so moved. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, any objection to the motion? None. There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of section 65 of the of the constitution. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Nana. Thank you, uh, House Chairperson. On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes that following a two-day sitting in May 2022, a Makanda High Court has on the 1st of September 2022 delivered its verdict and set aside a decision to grant Shell exploration rights to conduct seismic survey of the Wild Coast in the Eastern Cape. Notes that the Honorable Court found in favor of the Wild Coast communities that argued consultation about the project was never, was never sufficient. Further notes that Shell had no concrete explanations in their plans to show the extent to which the seismic survey will improve their socioeconomic conditions. That the bravery, unity, and courage shown by these communities against something they believe in is something South Africans should should strive to, to emulate. Notes that this costly court action came despite numerous calls to the Ministry of Mineral Resources by civil society and the DA here in the NCOP and in the National Assembly to stop the proposed project, which will undoubtedly have untold harm to the environment, marine life, tourism, livelihoods, cultural and spiritual practices of those rural communities. That the Minister of Mineral Resources, Honorable Mantasha, and Shell should stop this fishing expedition and respect the wishes of the people of the Wild Coast. I so move. Thank you very much. Any objection to the motion? There's an objection to the motion. Um, the, and but therefore, the motion Chair, may not be proceeded with and will become a notice of a, of a motion. Thank you very much. Uh, we, we come to, the, to this role. Um, and, and we'll, 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 we'll start right, uh, here, uh, at the front. Uh, no, no, we won't forget. We're moving systematically until the extreme left. Uh, uh, we'll start with Honorable Mushodi. Chairperson, Honorable Chairperson, allow me to rise on behalf of the African National Congress that this August House note with their concern the cold-blooded killing of a worker of Sandlet in Mangawu, a municipal state-owned company for bulk electricity distribution and supply. That according to the media report, another person working for the same company has been shot in the similar style and he is in the critical condition in one of the local hospitals. 
that this shooting follow consistent media report about infighting, instability, and allegation of corruption in this municipal entity. Believe that one life lost in the hand of a trigger happy criminal, cr criminals is one life too many. Therefore, call on the Ministry of Police to prioritize this killing as among high-profile criminal investigation. And also call on the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs and the Premier of the Free State, Messicin Tombella, to institute a high-level investigation into the government and administration of this municipal entity as a matter of agent national interest. I so move, Chairperson Gyalibo. No, thank you very much, Honorable Mushodi. Uh, any objection to the motion? None. So there being no uh, objection, uh, the motion is agreed to in terms of uh, Section 65 of the Constitution. Um, yes, we are still here. If there's no one here, we move on. Uh, we'll start with team at the back. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move that this council notes with great concern the ongoing and persistent water and sanitation crisis in the Etigwini Metro in KwaZulu-Natal. Notes that the water and sanitation infrastructure in the Itagrini has been allowed to deteriorate over many years. Notes that the floods of April and May 2022 served as the last straw that completely and irreparably destroyed this vital infrastructure, including bulk water supply and numerous water treatment plants, most notably in Otongati and Mbilo. Notes that in addition, scores of sewage piping systems have been damaged across the metro, causing vast quantities of raw sewage to be pumped into river courses and the sea. Notice that this state of affairs has led to the closure of numerous beaches in the metro, thereby dangerously affecting the prospects of the tourism industry vital to the survival of Etigrini. Notice that the state of affairs in the Etigrini metro has persisted for over five months and that the ANC-led administration have been found desperately wanting in resolving this crisis. Further notes that to Itagrini alone, the estimated cost of repairs runs into billions of rands. Further notes that the mayor of Itagrini recently explained that only 185 million rand had been allocated to Itagrini for these repairs. Reminds the national and provincial governments, specifically in KwaZulu-Natal, that in terms of Section 154 of the Constitution, they have a duty to support and strengthen the capacity of municipalities to, inter alia, perform their functions. Calls on the relevant departments to stop sitting on their hands, wake up, and act in terms of Section 154. Simply put, do your job and save the millions of Etigrini residents drowning in a sea of human waste. See Bangana. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, well, let's, let's proceed then and find out if there's any objection to the motion. Aibo. Yes. <laughs> uh, and there being an objection, the motion may not be proceeded with. 
and will become a notice of a, of a, of a, of a motion. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Smith. The mem- Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes the sixth political assassination in recent years in Mokalakwena local municipality on Monday evening at 1830 in Mokopani. Mr. Skolk Pinar, who is a well-known attorney in Mokopani and previous member of parliament, was gunned down in his garage as he arrived home, where eight shots were fired at him. Um, notes that Mr. Uh, Mr. Pinar was believed to be busy with a SIU case investigation uh, related to serious corruption in uh, Mokalakwena local municipality and was silenced through this attack. Further notes that uh, further notes that this relates to the uh, current factional political battles within the governing party in Mokalakwena. That this house sends. It's sincere condolences to the surviving spouse of Mr. Skalk Pinar and that this house condemns the senseless killings in Mokalakwena and call on the justice and security cluster of government to prioritize, uh, to curb, uh, uh, prioritize actions to curb these political killings and ensure that the uh, perpetrators faces the full might of the law. I so move. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, any objection to the motion? None. And, and there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Uh, Honorable Lutuli. I hereby move on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters uh, that the Council should note can I be protected, Chairperson? Uh, yes, just to remind the uh, members that uh, uh, maybe there's not much harm being done in heckling and so on, uh, but as long as we keep it under control uh, and don't drown the, the speakers. So we are protected there. Yeah. Thank you, Chairperson. <laughs> I hereby move on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters that the Council notes with concern Uganda no kula kukula wakabandu beze politiki as funda zensoka zunatani. Further notes that a young name is mbalo ezu nili. Sekula wama kanzala matlani ikuwa zunatani. E nda wene ifana setigwin ilembe king ejwai mkanya kutu umsinga kaya na manya marichi na sondeleni. Acknowledge that kwa zunatal stand out among South Africa's provinces for having a greatest frequency of political killings. Further acknowledge that uh, that the overwhelming majority of assassinations are often carried out using firearms, reflecting that the widespread problem of availability of illicit uh, firearms. Is a number twenty-eight Wanda ukubula wanoja mwotegele na bantubeze politiki. Kufuti kubona gala kutelela nukuleta ingu namba kukusushi nitu. We send our heartfelt condolences mdenini abangani ishobo na bebe sebenza na bula baba shonili. Ababona gala bila kegelo abatandiweyo babu as a result of political assassination. I so move. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any objection to the motion? None. Uh, there being no objection. The motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. 
maybe just to to point out to members that uh, uh, this question of the killing of councillors is a fairly serious uh, matter that deserves uh, uh, our attention. Uh, one killing, as a member has already indicated, is one too many. Uh, uh, so the chief whip and, and, and the team may have to look at this and, 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 and really uh, uh, find a, a way of uh, agreeing on putting the matter on, on the agenda so that we, we can debate the issue uh, in a much, much more uh, thorough, deeper manner so that we take these issues uh, forward. If allowed, Chair, I would agree uh, as per the recommendation of the uh, previous uh, local government week, uh, provinces prominently raised this matter and various municipalities that this is a matter that parliament should really give serious consideration. Thanks. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I want to comment on this matter as well. Okay. Tim. Chairperson, it is on this matter. I would just like to draw the house, uh, the attention of the house to the fact that I actually did put a notice of motion in some time ago asking for a debate on this very matter. Perhaps if the records become considered, that debate can be brought forward. Just, just a suggestion. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. It does seem as if the, the House is broadly in agreement. We'll proceed with the issues. Honorable Sheikh. Thank you very much, Honorable um, Chairperson. I rise on behalf of the African National Congress that this August House and the people of South Africa notes with pride. The ongoing successful strides made by the Directorate of Investigations of the National Prosecuting Authority in the arrest of high-profile suspects of state capture-related corruption is recommended by the State Capture Commission of Inquiry. That these arrests represent a qualitative breakthrough in the resolve and commitment of the 54th National Conference of the African National Congress to fight against crime and corruption, believing that our collective resolve and commitment as a nation against crime and corruption cannot yield results without the ethical, professional commitment and independence of the entire criminal justice system that acts without favor and fear. Therefore, salute the leadership of the National Prosecuting Authority, the South African Police Services, and other crime-fighting bodies in their renewed sense of urgency and commitment to restore the confidence of our people in the fight against corruption. Call on all our people across religious, gender, race, class, and social standing to intensify their efforts in collaborating with the criminal justice system in the fight against corruption. I so move. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much. Any objection to the motion? None. Uh, there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the of the Constitution. Honorable Mamar Khan. Oh, you didn't raise your hand. Okay. Now we come to the team here. Okay. Uh, so we'll start with Muima. We'll move <laughs> that way, yes. Muima, Honorable Muima. Thank you, thank you, uh, National Chair. Allow me to rise on behalf of the mighty, mighty African National Congress that this August House notes with concern the persistent violent attacks against the Inter-Cape a long-distance passenger bus service between the Eastern Cape and the Western Cape. Uh, 
further knows that these attacks have already claimed the lives of innocent people working for this company and injured some passengers. Uh, it is our belief that as we approach the December festive season, our people need assurance by government that uh, they will travel safely in the public transport. And we therefore, Honorable House uh, National Chair, call on the Minister of Transport and the Minister of Police in collaboration with the Western Cape and Eastern Cape government to establish a joint high-level task team to probe and thwart these senseless attacks are so move national chair. Thank you very much. Any objection to the motion? No. And there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of section 65 of the of the constitution. Honorable Malika. The African National Congress moves without notice that the House welcomed the arrest of senior police officials by IPID in connection with a 54 million tender. Note that the two current serving policy major, general and one former lieutenant general and expected, was expected to appear in the Pretoria Specialized Commercial Crimes Court on Wednesday, 21 September 2022, in connection with a police tender and on charges of fraud, corruption, and theft. Recalls that the three senior officials are part of six high ranking policy officials who were arrested by the investigating directorate on uh, Tuesday, 20 September 2022, for a $54 million tender issued back in 2016. Believe that all corrupt officials will be made individually liable for all losses incurred as a result of their corrupt actions. Commends the law enforcement agencies of the job well done in approaching uh, corruption in our country. I so move. Thank you very much. Uh, any objection to the motion? None. Uh, there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of section 65 of the Constitution. Uh, we'll proceed to Mr. Honorable Christian. Yeah? <laughs> Please Thank proceed. You. Thank you, Chairperson. On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes the tragic passing of an 18-year-old young man who was involved in a fatal motor vehicle accident on the Barclay Road in Kimberley on Thursday last week. This marks two accidents in two weeks at the same location after two women died after they were hit by a taxi a week before this accident. Further notes reports that huge potholes in the road played contributing factors towards both deadly accidents. Recalls the promise of a 500 million injection by the Premier in April 2019 into fixing soil plighty that would have helped significantly to end the pothole woes in Kimberley. In fact, it would have fixed our roads entirely. However, the 170 million rand contribution to the project availed by roads and public works seems to have gone missing. Despite the department having reported that 69 million rand of the 126 million rand set aside specifically for pothole repairs was utilized, with the other 40 million rand having gone to supply key cleaning project. This is also despite a promise by Premier Zamani saw that by the end of 2021, there would not be a single pothole in and around Kimberley. 
notes that the DA has requested an answer in council, but even so applied his road engineer cannot tell us which roads were repaired by the department. Also notes that there are now so many potholes that we are at the stage where residents entering Kimberley actually need to be warned of the many potholes that are present in almost every single street in Kimberley. Urges the local and district government to come clean about the road repair contracts that they entered into, while provincial government needs to come clean about its so-called investment into pothole repair. Repairs. Lastly, sends our condolences to the family, families who have lost their loved ones, and urges the Premier, Soplaiki Municipality, and the Northern Cape Provincial Government to address the dangerous potholes in Kimberley in the Northern Cape that has led to the loss of lives. I so move. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Any objection to the motion? None. There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of. Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable Poshoff. Thank you very much, Chair. On behalf of the DA, I hereby move without notice that this council notes that an unlawful private company has been appointed by the Tabachero local municipality to collect tra traffic fines on its behalf. Further notes that the Boshnabela Regional Fire Emergency Services has been afforded this opportunity to issue these fines for infringements by truck drivers, while the traffic department in the municipality has taken a back seat. Again notes that BRFES has no service level agreement with the municipality, yet they collect these fines that should be channeled to the municipality, resulting in a huge loss of revenue for the municipality. Further notes that on 17 August 2022, a certain officer employed by Tabachero Municipality failed to independently carry out his tasks by issuing a fine, instead handing over the responsibility to BRFS, who proceeded to issue a fine of 16,348 rand and 39 cents, with clear instructions to the driver that the fine be paid before they would remove the wheel clamp and release the truck to leave. Again, notes that when this matter was taken up with the director, LED, and community services, the DA was enlightened that it is better to have someone to do the work which casts doubt over the capabilities of the municipality's traffic personnel. Further notes that BRFES in the same meeting indicated that the monetary fines collected by themselves would be paid to the relevant departments in the municipality. But disappointingly, no system has been put in place by the municipality to track the monetary fines collected by BRFES. Acknowledges that questions will be forwarded to the MEC of Cocteau, Honorable Ndlovo, and the MEC for Community Safety, Security and Liaison, Honorable Shongwe, to define how the revenue collected is benefiting the municipality and finally acknowledges that the DA will not allow this matter to be swept under the carpet as no service provider may operate without a service level agreement and therefore will take the matter further to determine whether the services provided is operating in other municipalities without a service level agreement. I so move. Thank you very much. Uh, any objection to the motion? There's an objection. 
and there being an objection, the motion may not be proceeded with, as members know, and will become a notice of a, of a motion. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Professor. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I've got two motions. Can I do them in? Well, can only uh, have one. Can I only do one? For now, yeah. Okay. Thank you. On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I rise to bring to the attention of this council that they note that internal alleged acts of fraud and corruption in the Department of Rural Development and Land Reform were investigated by the SIU of Mafeking, Case 369-06-2017 Northwest and Pretoria Central, Case 424-05-2021. Further notes that the Special Investigation Unit obtained preservation orders to free some of government properties in Gauteng and Northwest. Notes that the properties in question are linked to illegal activities that took place at the Pretoria Deeds Office in Pretoria and Freiburg between January 2008 and October 2017, and consequently caused the state to incur a loss of 144 million rand. Again, notes that the Special Investigation Unit is in the process of reversing the said properties back into the name of the rightful owner, being the Government of South Africa. And lastly, notes that the Special Investigation Unit reported the conduct of the respective conveyances uh, to the Law of Professional uh, Law Professions Council. I so move. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any objection to the motion? None. And there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Uh, now we come to this last uh, part. Okay, Sleku, uh, and then Labuskasi. <laughs> Chair, they are, they are intimidating. <laughs> On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice does this council congratulate Maggie Jafta on her victory in the recent by-election held in Prince Albert. That this house notes that she took a principal decision to stand against corruption and substandard service delivery by teaching the PA, KGB, and ANC coalition in favor of a party that has a track record in quality service delivery. In a hotly contested by-election where more than 75% of eligible voters turned up to make their vote count, with the future of a town in the balance, voters had a choice between a stable, principled, outright governed municipality by the DA versus an unstable, cater-deployed coalition of self-interested parties. Note that voters chose service delivery and stability. That following her and the DA's victory, the Democratic Alliance now has an outright majority in that municipality. The very first time since the dawn of democracy that the DA has an outright majority in a central Karoo municipality. That this house will pay special attention and interest to monitor how the differences in service, deliv in service delivery will be between Prince Albert, which is now DA run, and the other three municipalities where there are coalitions of corruption. We also thank and congratulate the voters in the world that despite attempts to intimidate and harass 
they stood firm and voted for their futures. I so move. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, and no objection to the motion? Objection, objection, Chair. Objection. Yes. So there's an objection. There being an objection, motion may not be proceeded with. It will become a notice of a, of a motion. Objection. <laughs> Sounds like sour grapes, dear. <clears throat> yes. Thank you. Uh, on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes everyone working in and for this institution went through challenging times due to COVID-19 as well as a fire at the beginning of 2021 that these circumstances contribute to many additional challenges, not only for the public representatives of Parliament, but also for the parliamentary personnel who are an integral part of the functioning of Parliament as an institution. Notes that our Parliament is deemed to be a Parliament for the people, that actually implies a culture of appreciation and caring, being accessible and caring for the needs of all people, including those working for Parliament that the Democratic Alliance recognizes and hereby convey our appreciation and thanks to all professional and supporting staff from all departments and divisions of Parliament, that we recognize your role, sometimes under difficult personal circumstances, in ensuring that Parliament can function. We are deeply thankful for your services and recognize that without each one of you, very often going the extra mile, Parliament would not be a key institution representing democracy in South Africa. We appreciate and thank you all. I so move. Thank you very much. Um, any objection to the motion? No, none. Therefore, uh, there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Chief Whip. No, Chair, I, I thought that we have exceeded the, the time now for the motions. I was appealing that though it is a last sitting prior to spring, a short uh, constituency period, but we have fairly distributed participation of members across parties in the House. Mm -hmm. So I was suggesting that to manage the, what is on our, our other paper, maybe we should agree now. It's time. Thanks. Well, thank the you Chief much. just didn't like the Prince Albert uh, motion. I'm, I'm sure Honourable Professor would appreciate the point. <laughs> you can only be able to do to have to, to have to table the other motion, maybe next time around. Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Delegates. We will now proceed to the first and second orders, um, and those orders are as indi in, in, indi indicated in the guide. The financial sector and, and deposit insurance uh, levies bill, uh, B3B 2022, and, and report of select committee on fin finance thereon. Um, and uh, the financial sector and deposit, deposit insurance levies, administration and, and deposit insurance a premium bill, bill for B4B 2022. And report of select committee on on finance uh, thereon. 
And now call on Honorable Mamarekhane, ML Mamarekhane, member of Select Committee on Finance, to present the committee report. Yes. <clears throat> Thanks, Honorable Chairperson. Greetings to the to the Chief Whip and the Deputy Minister, Honorable Papel. Honorable Chairperson, the Select Committee on Financial uh, Sector and Deposit Insurance Levies Bill. B3B 2022 National Assembly Section 77 dated the 30th August 2022. Section 77 of the Constitution requires all money bills to be considered by a procedure for passing revenue bills established by the Money Bills Amended Procedure and Related Matters Act 2009. Uh, Money Bill Act Section 11.4 further requires the, commission, the committee to hold public hearings to the revenue bills and report to the House. I'll just have to go straight to the observation made by the, by the committee. The committee noted that the, the proposed levies bill forms part of the FSS RA regularity reforms, which were introduced after the global financial crisis in 2009, with the expected outcome of the stable financial system that works in the interest of the financial customs customers while supporting sustain, sustainable economic growth, and that the main objective of the bill is to improve levies on supervised entities to for funding and capacitation of the financial sector bodies. The total cost of the levies proposed is 1.6 billion rand, excluding the, an estimated 548 million rand proposed to be, uh, to be collected towards deposit insurance promises, premiums, I'm sorry. The committee noted that the, uh, the consultation process that the National Treasury embarked on with the, with the financial sector, the FSCA and the PA under SAR, SARB and the SCOF between 2020, 2017 and 2022. The committee noted the, the three broad categories of comments received during the National Treasury's public participation process with SCOF. These comments are drafting related suggestion to overall cost of approach to regulations, a comment which National Treasury felt is the line with the new regularity approach to of the of the twin of the Twin Peaks legislation. And three, the impact of cost of the regulation on smaller financial services provide provide Providers. The committee noted that National Treasury's response to the issues raised by the stakeholders, particularly the, the impact that the cost of the proposed levies might have on the address by the 
might have on the smaller financial intermediaries in the financial sector, which which the National Treasury addressed by tweaking the formula used to calculate costs. The committee wants to see that the framework for the exemption published by the National Treasury assists in practice to reduce the cost for small operations. While the committee remains concerned about the cost of the regulations and the supervision, which might be passed on the financial customers, the committee noted that the calculation of cost was informed by the fact that in 2021, the financial the financial sector was the largest industry as a percentage of GDP to that the best practice with the selected twin peaks legislation jurisdictions should show show that the the South African cost of the prudential prudential and regulation is below average as a percentage of GDP and three that the National Treasury and the SARB conducted a socio socioeconomic impact assessment on the proposed levies and a cost-benefit analysis study to determine the the regulatory cost of the compliance and benefits. Amongst other studies done is uh, in in support of the proposal of the levies bill. The committee found found the the tables presented in schedules one to six of the levies bill on the financial sector Levied calculation for supervised entities extremely challenging. They are based on modeling exercises that the committee does not have the capacity and the resources to evaluate. This once again highlighted highlights the extreme imbalances in resources, skills, and capacity between the executive and the parliament, which serves the to undermine the ability of parliamentary committee to exercise effects oversight of the executive. The committee once again implores parliament's decision makers to provide committees over time with the necessary resources and capacity to be more effective in implementing our constitutionally required role. Some of the amendments made by the National Treasury in the SCOF processing of the bill, such as reducing the levy from 15% to 7.5% for two years and the annual maximum of the automated automated clearing house from 5 million to to two raise questions about two Raise questions, uh, uh, raise questions about how substantively uh, valid some of these percentage and figures and figures are. The criteria used to make these changes are not clear to the committee. Then the committee recommended as follows. The recommendation as as, as follows. The committee supports the ob- objectives of the FSARA under which the current levies bill falls. This objective seeks to es- establish a regular legality and supervisory framework that prom- promotes financial stability, the safety and sound soundness of financial uh, institutions, the fair treatment and the protect 
protection of financial customers, the efficiency and integrity of the financial system, the prevention of financial crime, financial intrusion, transformation of the financial sector, and confidence in the financial system. The outcome of the expected to ensure a, a stable financial system that works in the interest of financial custom, customers, customers while supporting a sustainable economic growth. The committee also supports the reasonable and proportionate proposal in the Levis Bill, which provides for the imposition of levies and allocation of amounts levied off on the financial sector bodies. These proposals are expected to, amongst other things, provide funding for supervised entities in the in which in the line with the expanded scope of an entity and intensify of the supervision and regulations. The committee recommends that over the medium term, the National Treasury and SRAB should review and report to the committee on the criteria used to for expanding the financial institution for, from paying levies and the formulas and used for calculating the cost of regulation and supervision to ensure that there are unintended consequences in, the, in implementing this legislation. The National Treasury and the SARB should annually review and report to the committee on the impact of the legislation on low-income earners and smaller financial and services providers and to what extent, extent to the cost of banking has increased as a result of the bill, especially for the three categories. Then the committee, the Select Committee on Finance, Having considered and examined the financial sector and deposit insurance levies bill, B3B of 2022 National Assembly Section 77, referred to it and classified by the JTM as a Section 77 bill, accept the bill. But um, the D Democratic Alliance, the let, DA rejected let me, let me the... Conclude, yeah. <laughs> okay, rejected the report. Yes. And the Freedom Fighter reserved its position on the report. The Freedom Front Plus rejected the report. So, Chairperson, I present this report to be considered. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, we will then uh, proceed uh, and, pro and give uh, parties an opportunity to, to make the declaration of vote in terms of Rule 78, if they so wish. Uh, see, Ryder's hand is up. Mletsane's hand is up. We'll start with Ryder and with Mletsane. Thank you, Chairperson. Honorable Chair, the processing of these two bills was a technical tedious and arduous task. The members of the Finance Committee across all parties deserve both sympathy and admiration for their steadfastness in bringing these two reports to the House. If you read the reports and listen to what Rikhani, uh, Honorable Mama Rikhani just told us, you will note that there were reservations expressed 
across all parties, such that the members of the committee felt ill-equipped to fully grasp the implications of the bills before us. As we called for explanations and modeling, we received assurances and assertions, which left us feeling slightly uncomfortable with the subject before us. The result was a begrudging support for the bill from the majority in the committee, but with a caveat that we should review the practical implementation of the bill after a 12-month period in order to evaluate the assertions and assurances we've been given. Honorable Chair, legislation by trial and error should not be normalized. Indeed, nor should the setting of budgets be done by those who are to spend the money. The Democratic Alliance remains uncomfortable with these two bills and therefore cannot support them. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Mletana. Thank you, Chairperson. The Economic Freedom Fighters reject the financial sector and the deposit insurance levies bill, and the financial sector and the deposit administration bill. These two bills are intended to facilitate the funding of financial sector regulators, ombuds, and other bodies to ensure that they regulate the financial sector for the benefit of financial customers. We reject these bills, which are the products of the Financial Sector Regulation Act passed by the National Assembly in 2017, known as the Twin Peaks Bill. The EFF rejected the Twin Peaks Bill back then because it failed to deal with the issue of the National Credit Regulator, and we warned that the legislation was ill-conceived and leaves out a key player in financial services. As the EFF, we have also consistently warned that it is illogical that we have a national credit regulator that is excluded from the financial sector framework, but stands at the center of the struggles for millions of people who are highly indebted. There exists no interest in protecting customers and dealing decisively with reckless lending. There is also no point of regulating the financial sector if the financial sector turns a blind eye on the people involved in illicit financial flows as it is with the case of Palapala. And there is no law to deal with this decisively. EFF rejected the levies bill. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Karim. Honorable uh, thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Firstly, uh, uh, I agree with uh, the DA. I agree with uh, uh, Mr. Ryder. It was a very difficult bill to process. Chairperson, uh, I think this is an issue you should address, really. We have raised this thing. You're the most powerful person in the NCOP, and the chief group has a role to play. So insofar as he's saying the committee wasn't able to do what we would ideally like to do. Yes, it's not only our committee, but we did raise it, Chairperson. You might recall or might not give a thousand things to address. When we had a workshop about 18 months ago, we said that, you know, I got an E for mathematics in matric, Chairperson. 
If I show you the tables, Chairperson, it is so complex. No average politician, starting even with myself, I've been here a very long time, Chairperson. I have been chair in the Standing Committee on Finance on the other side, starting with me. I found it immensely difficult to look at those tables. A politician can't do that. It has to be done by technical experts. And we have raised this before, the gap between what Treasury has got and what we've got. And in fact, our colleagues on the NA side is too extreme. So we're pleading. We need technical experts. You can't expect, not you, I mean, the public can't expect us to process it. But while all of that is true, the bill is pro-poor, ultimately. What is it there for? It's part of the financial sector regulation regime, which came about because the banks and their greed led to the 2008 financial crisis and economic crisis. That's why I can't understand the EFF really. They just repeat mechanical platitudes. This is a pro-poor bill. They pretend to be for the poor. Mr. Moletani is saying things he knows very little about with due respect because he wasn't there in the Standing Committee on Finance when Dick Lady Mashlango and myself processed the bill. We did exactly what he said. We brought in the National Credit Regulator. The National Credit Regulator falls under the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition. They themselves conceded that they have a role to play and these things have been settled in practice, as Treasury is doing in practice. So I don't think it follows that if one doesn't understand all the complexities in the bill, technical as they are, you know, that you must reject the bill. There are many reasons why you should support this bill. These bills are crucial. And ultimately, who suffers the most, chairperson, when the financial sector collapses? It's the poor and the low-income earners disproportionately. So this is a very good bill. And we have, as Mr. Ryder himself says, put in what he calls caveats. We said, no, we want them to come back. And he's right. He directed our attention because he's got technical expertise that I don't have and others may not have in our committee. He directed our attention to some very useful things. And in fact, what he said was in the report. So we accepted what he said, but it just doesn't follow. Because of the technical complexities, we should say no to a bill that is very progressive ultimately. And we have to ensure, Chairperson, as we said in our report, that the banks and the financial services industry does not impose further charges yes. on the average financial conclude, including, uh, including the upper classes that the DA represents. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we will now have uh, 15 seconds uh, reserved for two delegates uh, uh, who are outside the, the the platform to 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 join us. Who are outside and in, in the platform uh, uh, to to join us. So it's 15 seconds, and uh, the 15 seconds starts now. <laughs> uh, to allow those who are outside the virtual, uh, well, on, on the virtual uh, platform, uh, to, to 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 join to join us. Uh, so, count to fifteen uh, seconds, and just say to members as we continue, we'll reduce uh, this time considerably, so that we. We do not stop uh, for a long time.
Yeah, those who were voting in favor. Sir? Uh, Sir? Uh, it's not, I have a problem with my gadget. I'm voting in favor. Not, uh, your, your vote is noted. Thanks. Uh, Masango, vote in favor. The team is counting. I guess uh, Williams is voting in favor, Chair. Uh, noted. Akaringe is voting in favor from Pumalanga. Noted. Uh, but down. Okay. Chair, I want you to check, Chair. I want to check that uh, Santa Samsa Bonagala. Yes, Chair. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, the count is now completed. Uh, we will now move to the to next vote. Those voting against, please raise your hands. Those uh, voting against, and Nana, you can't do what you're doing. Please don't do that. Some I don't do what they're doing. Yeah, okay. Uh, I know that uh, sometimes voting brings a bit of excitement, but let's not do the wrong things. Okay. Uh, yes, Penny? Are you done? Huh? No, thank you very much. Against. Thank you very much. We will then um, continue to the next vote. Those abstaining? Those abstaining? So there's one abstain. Thank you very much. Uh, the voting is as follows. In favor, 27. Against, 22. Abstention, 1. Sorry, uh, Chair. The, the, chair. The, chair. Chair. Sorry, Chair. Hello. 
on a point on a point of order can you just give us the the voting the number of votes online and just clarify to us please because how many votes how many people how many members voted online yes and how many people uh, voters because a person have to be able to vote online because I, I i i checked with my member online and by the time that we voted there were seven people online who could have voted po positive so does the vote count just be because you're online or did they have to put their hands up thank you well 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 my, my assumption really is that yeah. uh, well you we don't like the way the assumption uh, you don't like the word assumption. Uh, my reading of the situation. <laughs> my reading of the situation is as provided by by the table, uh, and that reading is as follows. That reading is as follows. Point of order. Uh, in favor, twenty-seven. Against, twenty-two. Abstention. One. Point of order, Chair. Yeah, what's the point of order? Thank you, Chair. This is uh, Honorable Michalakis. Uh, Chairperson, I uh, believe my hand was up against, and then my hand was, uh, I, I struggled to put my hand down, so I was counted as an abstention as well. So it clearly shows that uh, the counting of the online votes has not been correct because there's no control over who has put up yeah. their hands against yeah. the problem really is that that's, 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 not, that's not the point of order. Because yeah. I did say, can yeah. those people who, who are abstaining indicate? And the only person who indicated is a member of the IFP, the Honorable Khatebe here. Uh, there was not even a call in the background or an indication and so on. So it's, it's really not the point of order. Yes. Uh, let's, let's please uh, skip things standard and do them in a, in a proper manner. Thank you very much. Thank you. Chair, on a point of order. I don't yes, think you can count. Yes, with respect. Uh, with due respect, I, yes. I, will, I will challenge this, this ruling through the Rules Committee because... I really need to know, did the people on the platform put their hands up and were they only those who put their hands up counted or were the number of people that was online being counted? I need, we need to know that because if they didn't put up their hands, they can't be counted. Yeah. Let's, Thank let's, you. Let's note the point that's raised by one of the He should go to the rules committee. We'll look at it there. Uh, and, 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 and see how far we go in terms of resolving the matter, then, uh, Chief Whip. Thank you, Chair. Uh, by definition, a sitting of the National Council of Provinces is both members who are physically in attendance and those that have logged in virtually. And, and when the table staff deals with matters here and the chair is inviting those in attendance to raise hands and those that are outside who have logged in to, to vote. Others choose 
to remind the chair that they've got difficulties with their gadgets and the chair so accordingly knows them. So what we also urge from the chair is to remind all members, special delegates, that members do have rights and participate in the voting process. Thanks. Thank you very much. We will then uh, proceed. No, I'm not allowing Nana to speak. I'm not. Nana, I'm not allowing you to speak. Chair, I'm raising on a point of order. Oh, point of order. Let's yes. see the point of order. Chair, thanks, thanks a lot for taking my hand. I've been struggling to, to understand your reason. So is the Shifu. The point raised by Honorable Labuskahn has got nothing to do with people, whether they've raised hands or not. She is simply asking, and this does not require the Rules Committee. She's asking that as the House, we be provided with how many people voted for yes here and how many people voted for yes online. And it does not require the, the long explanation you guys gave us. That's what I'm asking for. But, but that's, not the point, that's not the point of order, really. It's, it's, it's a point of view that it's you, a rough start. you're putting across and so on. Uh, so all I can say is that the point is, is noted. Uh, thank you very much. Let's proceed. Uh, the, we'll now move to... Uh, Find out if there are any deterioration for uh, the second order, uh, uh, and 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 this will be done in terms of uh, Rule seventy seventy eight. If the parties so wish, any deterioration from any political party? None, no deterioration. Uh, and that being the the case will provide a few seconds, uh, just a few seconds, for those outside the chamber uh, uh, to, to join in the House. Uh, thank you very much. We now proceed to voting on the second order. And the question is that the, the bill be agreed to. Uh, can we have those those delegates who are, who are voting in favor uh, indicate by the show of hands? Okay. Sir, I indicated I have a problem. I'm voting in favor. It's not. Neta, your vote is noted. I do have. A challenge with my gadget. I'm voting in favor. Dango's vote is also noted. Uh, Makaringa from Pumalanga again is voting Makaringa's in favor. Makaringa's vote is noted. Masango from Pumalanga in favor. Masango's vote is noted. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Benny, are you done? How's that? Thank you very much. Uh, 
the count is completed and the table will lower all hands to, uh, to prepare for the next uh, the vote. Uh, now we'll move yeah. to those who, who are voting uh, against. Uh, Please raise your hand, those voting against. Chairperson. Chairperson. Uh, yes, 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 Alec. Yeah, I'm, I'm voting for, I was just kicked out. Uh, yeah, we'll note your vote, Alec, but uh, please, please do not uh, delay, uh, indicate on, on, on time. Now uh, we're having the, 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 those who are voting against indicating. Benny? Mm. Please keep your hands up, those who are voting against. Yes, Sabala Pel. Patience, Lutuli. Yes. And uh, three, thank you very much. Please lower your hands. Uh, may those who, who, who are uh, abstaining please indicate. Abstentions? You see? Yes, no, I'm just saying that only had the best had this end up. Uh, can those who are outside the chamber please indicate if they are, if they are abstaining? Anyone abstaining? None. Thank you very much. A vote is closed. Uh, and the results are as follows. Uh, in favor, 28 against 23 abstentions, 1. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, the bill is agreed to in terms of section 65 of the Constitution. Uh, Chair, on a point of order. We will now proceed. Chair, yes, I'm raising on a point of order. Yes. Just to prove the question that I raised on the first bill, I would like to request to do the vote over for the first bill because now the, the numbers look, look totally different. We didn't do it the same way in the first bill. If we really want this to be done correctly, there would be nothing wrong in doing the first bill over. Thank you. Yeah, we note the point raised by Honorable Lapuskakli. Uh, we will now proceed um, uh, to the third and fourth uh, orders. Uh, and those are report of, of select committee on petitions and executive undertakings, uh, hearing of the GBVF uh, uh, collective petitions held on the 2nd of December 2021, as adopted on 24th of June 2022, as well as the report on select committee on petitions and undertakings, uh, executive undertakings, ATC 30 June 2022, uh, page 11, hearing of uh, the Peoples Against 
race classification petitions held on the 24th of, of, of February 2022 as adopted on the 24th uh, of uh, June 2022. I now call on the Honorable uh, A.D. Malika, uh, Chairperson of Select Committee of, of, on Petitions and Executive Undertakings to present the committee report. Thank you, Chairperson. The Select Committee on Petition and Executive Undertaking, having held a hearing on gender-based violence and femicide collective petition hearing on the 2nd December 2021 and also adopted on the 24th of uh, June 2022. The petitioners are requesting the NCOP to hold the president accountable for alleged failed to respond to the submitted petition. The committee made the following observation and key findings in relation to the various submissions made on the subject matter of the petition. The petitioner submitted the various undertaking had not been fulfilled and government had not shown much effort in implementing those undertakings despite the rising rate of GPVF cases. The petitioners also described how their consistent efforts and appeals to the presidency and the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities were not being responded to. Evaluation of the poor implementation and inadequate allocation of resources emanated from a report combined by the Commission for Gender Equality. Lastly, it was observed that the South African police services had shown a poor response to GPVF calls, and there was poor training of, of SAPS members on GPVF issues. Victim support rooms were non-existent in many police stations. The, the, the committee made the following recommendations. The subject matter of the petition is to be referred to the Portfolio Committee on Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities for its exhaustive consideration and ultimate resolution. In its consideration of the subject matter of the petition, the Portfolio Committee on Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities is to solicit the wisdom of other government departments and organizations to the subject matter of the petition and has a bearing on, namely, the Department of Social Development, SABS, and the Commission for Gender Equality. The Department of Women, Youth, and Personal with Disabilities, Department of Social Development, SABS, and CGE are to establish an interdepartmental task team aimed in, in investigating the ultimate addressing the issues raised in the petition, including but not limited to the issues of work conditions and allocation of resources. The task team referred to above is to be established within two months of the tabling of this report in the House and is so further ensure that in the cause, it consults extensively with the office of the president. Further, in its consideration of this subject matter of the petition, the Portfolio Committee on Women, Youth, person with disabilities is to take into consideration to review the current policy position of the issues of GPVF and propose an approach or response that is specific or or yeah specific to the country's circumstances. The office of the president is to review and evaluate the effectiveness of the existing legislation applicable to GPV 
F and looked into the possibility and extending the application of the relevant legislation. The office of the president is to report to the House within six months of tabling of this report on the outcomes of the process referred to above, as well as propose a way forward in relation to the best legislative response on approach to the issue of GPVF for the country. Chairperson, the Senate Committee on Petition and Executive table the report for consideration. The second report is on the People Against Race Classification Petition. The, the petitioners were seeking the following relief to enact legislation that will abolish the use of the word colored from all official government and private institutions, to amend the definition of African in the act or to include Chinese and all people that live in and hold South African citizenship, to amend the act to include the definition of other race. This is to make provision for those people that do not want to the race classified and to facilitate a national debate on the naming and identification of South African citizens. The committee made the observation and key findings in relation to the various submissions made on the subject matter of the petitions. The petitioners is requesting Parliament to review the race definition of Africa and Black as defined by the Employment Equity Act. The Employment Equity Act as defined Black people as generic term, which means Africans, colored and Indians. Minister of Home Affairs submitted that the issue was of great importance, but not relevant to the Ministry of Home Affairs since they had abolished race certification. Minister of Employment and Labor suggested that the petitioners should consider their request to the removal of race certification in the Employment Equity Act. If not, they could approach the Constitutional Court to provide clarity on the matter. The minister accepted the idea of the national dialogue. Minister of Labor and Employment further reported that various courts, including the Constitutional Court, have ruled that the implementation of affirmative action measures as ensured in Employment Equity Act is constitutional. The United National Special Rapporteur and Indigenous Peoples of South Africa recognize that the Sten, the Nama, the Corona, the Krika, and the Cape Koi are those indigenous Africans, amongst others, in South Africa who face discrimination and marginalization. The committee made the following recommendation. In its consideration of the subject matter, of the petition, the committee recommended a national debate on a strategy in fast-tracking recognition of South African native communities and their identities. The South African Human Rights Commission be allowed a period of about six months to research the issue raised and report back to the House. Further, in its consideration of the subject matter of the petition, the Department of Labor COCTA, Department of Arts and Culture, Department of Rural Development and Land Reform, and the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development together should consider the development of uh, special legislative and policy measures to the advance 
implement of the 16 recommendation outlined in the SA HRC report. The aforementioned, the aforementioned departments are required respectively to provide the House with a report within six months. Chairperson, the Select Committee on Petition and Executive Undertakings table the report for consideration. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Malika. We shall now proceed to declarations uh, on the vote, the third order, in terms of Rule 86, if they so wish. Any indication to political parties to make declarations? No indication. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, we shall now proceed to voting on the third order. And the question is that the report uh, be adopted. Uh, I now call upon the provinces to cast their votes. Uh, and when called upon, uh, heads of delegation must indicate whether they're voting in favor, against, or abstaining. Uh, <laughs> so we will uh, then proceed and we'll do so in alphabetical order, starting with the Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape, yeah, Cassie report. Eastern Cape, uh, voting in favor of Free State. Free State votes in favor of the report. Uh, Free State votes in favor. Gauteng. Gauteng in favor. Gauteng in favor. Thank you very much. Wazuru Natal. Wazuru Natal supports the report. Wazuru Natal, Honorable Ntetua, support the report. Limpopo. Limpopo support the report. Limpopo supports the report. Mumalanga. Mumalanga supports the report. Mumalanga supports the report. Northern Cape. Northern Cape supports the report, Honorable Cape. Northern Cape supports the report. Northwest. Northwest supports the report, Chair. Northwest supports the report. Western Cape. Western Cape supports the report. Western Cape supports the report. The voting is closed. Uh, all provinces have voted uh, in favor, all nine provinces. I therefore declare the, the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Thank you very much. We'll now move on to the fourth order. Uh, the national provinces the opportunity to make their declarations of vote on the fourth order in terms of Rule 86, if they so wish. An indication uh, uh, to make declarations? No, no indication. We shall now proceed to voting on the fourth order, and the question is that the report be adopted. And I'll call upon the provinces to cast their vote. When called upon, heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. We'll do so in alphabetical order. We'll start with the Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape, Yavuma, we report. Eastern Cape, Yavuma. The Free State. Free State votes in favor of the report. Uh, support the report. Gauteng. In favor, Chairperson. Gauteng in favor. Guazulu Natal. 
KwaZulu Natal support the report, Chair. KwaZulu Natal support the report. Limpopo. Limpopo yai amukela report. Limpopo yai amukela report. Mpumalanga. Mpumalanga vote in favor, honorable chair. Mpumalanga vote in favor. Northern Cape. Northern Cape vote in favor, honorable chairperson. Northern Cape in favor. Northwest. Northwest vote in favor, honorable chair. Northwest vote in favor. Western Cape. Western Cape, Iavuma. Western Cape, Iavuma. Thank you very much. Voting is closed. Um, uh, all nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Thank you very much. Uh, we will now proceed to the fifth and sixth orders. Uh, uh, and and a consideration of the report of, of select committee on cooperative governance and traditional affairs, water sanitation and human settlements, ATC, 6 September 2022, page 124, with all of the interventions issued in terms of section 139B of the constitution, 1996 in Maluta Pofung and Mafube local municipalities, dated the 2nd of August 2022 and report on, on of select committee on cooperative governance and traditional affairs, water sanitation and human supplements, ATC, uh, 6 September 2022, uh, page 133, notice of intervention in terms of section 1397 of the constitution and 150 of the local government, uh, Municipal Finance Management Act in, 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 in Mangaungme Metro Municipality, and Inokunkichima local municipality dated the 2nd of August 2022. I now call on the Honorable the TC, uh, TSC Todovu, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Water Sanitation and Human Settlements to present the committee report. Honorable Todovu. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Chair, uh, Chief Whip of the NCOP, uh, Honorable Mohai, Permanent and Special Delegates. As Chairperson indicated, I hereby present two reports. The first on the consolidated statement on withdrawal of interventions in terms of Section 139 of the Constitution in Malutia Pofung and Mafube local municipalities in the Free State, and the second one being the consolidated statement on intervention in terms of Section 1397 of the Constitution and Section 150 of the MFMA in both uh, Mangaung Metropolitan Municipality and Inokumkejima local municipality. On the first one, Honorable Chair, on the 17th of May, 2020, the Select Committee had an interactive visual engagement with the Free State MEC of the Department of Cooperative Governance 
and traditional affairs to consider the notices of withdrawal in terms or withdrawal of interventions in terms of section 1391b of the constitution in Malutia, Profung and Mafube local municipalities. The visual interaction was in line and compliance with the referrals of the select committee by the office of the chairperson of the NCOP in terms of rule 101 of the NCOP to consider the notices and report to the house. During the visual engagement, the MEC of Free State COCTA provided substantive reasons for withdrawing the interventions in the local municipalities. This include progress made in respect of organizational development and transformation, financial management, service delivery, good governance and public participation. Our observation, Honorable Chair, is that the Select Committee has noted that Malutia Profundo local municipality was placed under section under administration in terms of section 139 of the constitution on the 10th of February 2018 after a series of unrests within the Malutia Profum area, specifically in Kwaku. There were various administrative and service delivery challenges in terms of monitoring and oversight actions performed by the Department of Cocta in the Free State and serious financial problems as contemplated in Section 138 of the MFMA of 2003. Honorable Chair, members of the August House, despite the progress reported by the MEC of COCTA, we as the Select Committee have, have observed that the local municipality is still grappling with challenges relating to the escalation of ESCOM debt, non-payment of third parties covering pensions, medical aid, Office of the Auditor General, and insurance policies. Honorable Chair, regarding intervention in Mafube local municipality, the Select Committee has also noted that this local municipality was placed under Section 1391B of the Constitution on the 30th of March 2021. Despite progress reported in terms of Section 154 to support the municipality, secondment of senior officials, the Select Committee has also noted that Mafube local municipality is still grappling with sustainability challenges due to financial distress, money owed to ESCOM, SARS, pension funds, rising services, services areas, and debt, aging infrastructure, dependency on conditional grants, and equitable share, judgments and litigation costs. Having considered the notices of withdrawal of interventions in terms of Section 1391B of the Constitution in Malutia, Profung, and Mafube local municipalities, the Select Committee recommends to the NCOP as follows that the NCOP knows the withdrawal of the interventions in terms of Section 1391B of the Constitution in both Malutia Profum and Mafube local municipalities. 
that the NCOP know the intention of the MEC of Cocta in the Free State to place Maluti Apofu municipality under Section 1395 of the Constitution for the purpose of developing and implementing the financial recovery plans. The MEC of Cocta in the Free State provides the NCOP and the Free State Provincial Legislature with quarterly reports, including progress on litigation status in, in both municipalities. The Select Committee on Cooperative Governance to coordinate joint oversight visits in both municipalities in collaboration with the relevant portfolio committee in the Free State Provincial Legislature in order to assess intervention impacts. To conclude, Honorable Chair, on this first report, you will recall that during the recent 2022 Local Government Week, we proposed, in terms of observation, that because of this functionality of some of the municipalities, that the NCOP should consider developing a parliamentary oversight an accountability model on local government, and this must be done. And therefore, we are appealing to the House to take a resolution on the matter so that senior officials of Parliament can commence with the process of conceptualizing in consultation with the political leadership of the institution. I thank you in respect of the first report. As I indicated, the second report pertains to Consolidate a statement on interventions in terms of Section 1397 of the Constitution and Section 150 of the Local Government Municipal Finance Management Act in the Mangau Metropolitan Municipality and Inok Mukijima Local Municipality. That on the, during 2022, the Minister of Finance tabled a notice of interventions in terms of Section 1397 of the Constitution and Section 150 of the Local Government Municipal Finance Management Act in Mangau Metropolitan Municipality and Inok Mukijima Local Municipality to the Office of the, of the Chairperson of the NCOP. Subsequent to the tabling, the chairperson of the NCOP referred in terms of Rule 101 of the NCOP rules, the notice of intervention in the above-mentioned municipalities to the Select Committee for Consideration and Reporting. In compliance with the NCOP referral, the collective members of the Select Committee held on the 7th of June 2022, a virtual consultative and interactive engagement with the National Treasury and the National Department of COCTA. The strategic oversight objective of the visual engagement was to accord the two departments platform to account on constitutional, procedural, and substantive matters related to the invocation of the intervention so as to report this to this August House. Honorable Chair members, during the engagement, the National Treasury and the Department of COCTA provided convincing and justifiable substantive rationale for intervening in both municipalities in terms of the provision of the Constitution and the MFMA. 
Our observation, therefore, is that we note as a we noted as a committee that the invocations of of, of interventions in both municipalities have been executed and invoked in accordance with the requirements of Section 1397 of the Constitution and Section 150 of the Local Government Municipal Finance Management Act. And both the NCOP and the provincial legislatures were duly notified about these interventions. As a collective in the committee, we have observed that the substantive matters that led to the invocation of intervention in Mangau Metropolitan Municipality and the Inomgijima local municipality revolved around political instability, lack of service delivery, poor financial management, lack of progress in the implementation of the financial recovery plans, unfunded budgets, and non-compliance with supply chain management and lack of oversight and consequence management. While welcoming the interventions, we have noted with concern lack of progress on the implementation of previous interventions in both municipalities that aimed at assisting the two municipalities to implement the financial recovery plans. Furthermore, Honorable Chair, we have noted with concern the delay on the delays on the tabling of intervention and monitoring bill to Parliament by the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. This has been overdue. We are of the opinion, therefore, that the tabling of the intervention and monitoring bill will provide legislative framework for the implementation of proper guidelines, norms and standards on the invocation and implementation of interventions in the sphere of local government. The totality thereof make us to recommend the following, Honorable Chairperson, that the notices of interventions in Mangaum, Metro and Inok Mukijima local municipality, we have resolved to recommend to this house as follows, that one, the NCOP house, know the interventions in terms of section 1397 of the constitution and section 150 of the MFMA, in both Mangau Metro and Inok Mugijima local municipality, that the National Treasury should ensure deployment of qualified, competent, and professional administrators in implementing interventions in terms of references in both Mangau Metro and Inok Mugijima local municipalities. The appointment, the appointed administrators should provide regular reports to the councils of the municipalities in line with the terms of reference of the interventions. That the National Treasury should provide quarterly reports to the provincial legislatures and the NCOP on the implementation of Section 1397 of the Constitution and Section 150 of the MFMA in both municipalities and that the Minister of COCTA should fast-track the tabling of the monitoring and intervention bill to Parliament so as to provide norms and standards for the invocation and implementation of interventions in, in local government. Based on that, 
Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Very much, uh, Honorable Dodovo. Um, uh, now we shall now move on to provide the uh, provinces uh, with an opportunity to make their declarations um, uh, in terms of rules 86, if they so wish. Anyone wishing to make a declaration? None. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we shall now proceed to the voting on the fifth order. And the question is that the report be adopted. Uh, and I now call upon provinces to cast their votes. And when called upon to do so, heads of delegation must indicate uh, whether they vote in favor against or abstain. They uh, will do so in alphabetical order. We'll start with the Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, Yavu. Eastern Cape, Yavu. This state? State support. State support. Scouting. Scouting support. Scouting support. Thank you very much. Was Runatal? Was Runatal in favor, Chair? Was Runatal support? Limpopo? Limpopo support, Chair. Limpopo support. Limpumalanga? Malang Yavu, my chair. Malang Yavu, my Northern Cape. Northern Cape support, honorable chair. Uh, Northern Cape support, Northwest. Northwest support, chair. Northwest support, Western Cape. Western Cape support. Western Cape support. Thank you very much. Voting is closed. Uh, and the results are as follows. Nine provinces voted in favor. Uh, I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, I shall now allow provinces uh, to indicate the declaration of vote uh, on the sixth order. Order in terms of related six, if they so wish. Any indication? Anyone wanting to make a declaration? None. Uh, we shall therefore proceed to the voting on the sixth order. And the question is that the report be adopted. I now call upon provinces to cast their votes. When called upon, heads of delegations must indicate whether they're voting in favor, against, or abstain will do so in alphabetical order. We'll start with the Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, I pass the report. Eastern Cape supports the report. Uh, uh, Free State? Free State votes in favor of the report, Chaperson. Uh, Free State votes in favor of the report. Gauteng? Gauteng in favor, Chaperson. Vote in favor, Wazuru Natal. Wazuru Natal support the report. Wazuru Natal support the report. Limpopo. Limpopo support the report. Marukana Limpopo support the report. Mpumalanga. Mpumalanga vote in favor, Honorable Chair. Mpumalanga vote in favor. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support, Honorable Chair. Northern Cape support the report. Northwest. 
All provinces have voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the of the constitution. I will now hand over to the deputy chairperson of the NCOP uh, to take us through the the debate. Uh, uh, as indicated in the uh, guide. Honorable uh, Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Good afternoon, Chairperson and all the delegates. Before we proceed to the subject for debate, I would like to take this opportunity to welcome the Minister of Finance, the Deputy Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, MECs, Salga Reps, all permanent and special delegates to the House. We shall now proceed to the subject for debate. It is a debate on indigenous support, subsidization of basic services to indigenous households. I will now call upon the Honorable Mr. Obed Bapela, Deputy Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, to open the debate. It's over to you, Honorable Deputy Minister. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair of the Session, Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Sylvia Lucas, uh, Honorable Amos Masondo, and the Minister of Finance, uh, Honorable Kodongwani, MEC of KwaZulu Natal, Sile Zikalala, MEC of Eastern Cape, uh, Z. Williams, and MEC of Limpopo Makamu. Uh, all honorable members of the NCOP on the platform and those in the house and then the Salga representatives. Chair, we allow me to start the meeting by quoting one of the Africa's uh, thought leader, a revolutionary, and, uh, and, and then one of, uh, of those who emerged as the son of the soil. And I, uh, Amilcar Cabral, and I quote, always bear in mind that the people are not fighting for ideas, for the things in anyone's head. They are fighting to win material benefits, to live better and in peace, to see their lives go forward, to guarantee the future of their children, close quote. In the year 2000, the government of South Africa introduced the Free Basic Services Programme aimed at providing proportion of essential services to poor households that cannot afford to pay for such services without charging a fee. The program was developed in response to the need to provide citizens uh, classified as indigents with a basic level of services, a right which is cemented in our constitution. Uh, Free basic services are defined uh, amount of free uh, uh, services provided to households with a, a collective monthly household income that is lower than uh, whatever other citizens are earning. And, and, and with this, therefore, 
uh, we then had to combine uh, what we then offer. One is the free basic water, which is 25 liters per person per day or six kiloliters per household per month, with the 6,000 liters within 200 meters of a household. Two, free basic sanitation, safe, clean, hygienic, and reliable toilet facilities. Example, ventilated improved pit latrine, known as the VIP, or the water bone sanitation. If a household is connected to the sewer, three to four kilos extra uh, free basic water per month should be provided for flushing. Three is free basic electricity. 50 kilowatt hours per household per month for uh, grid-connected households and up to 80% subsidy on the monthly operating fee for non-grid systems, example, home solar systems. And then the last uh, is the free basic refuse removal. Most appropriate level of waste removal uh, service based on site uh, specific circumstances. The free basic services indigent policy is implemented by municipalities and supported by the National Department of Cooperative Governance, uh, DCOG, provincial COCTAS, and other relevant sector departments such as the National Treasury, the Department of Water and Sanitation, Department on Environment, Forestry and Fisheries, the Department of Energy. The free basic services program is funded through the local government equitable share, uh, which is an unconditional grant that supplements the revenue raised by municipalities instituted to address past uh, injustices and provision of basic uh, services. The interpretation of the policy implementation guideline was then uh, developed and, 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 and its aim of the implementation guide is to ensure a minimum degree of uniformity in municipalities in the indigent policies, bearing in mind that municipalities have the discretion to pursue any approach they choose to provide free basic services. If they can demonstrate that indigent households are benefiting, the guidelines for implementation were developed to assist municipalities with the implementation of their indigent policies as defined within the national indigent framework. Further, the implementation guidelines outlines possible options on specific processes that municipalities need to consider and administer in order to implement their indigent policies. These processes uh, discussed include the following. One, the criteria for the selection of the indigents. Two, the registration process that municipalities can employ. Three, the screening of indigents that uh, whenever people apply, definitely they are deserving beneficiaries. Four, approval of applications. Uh, Five, the necessary management systems required. And then six, the implementation of free basic services to indigents. Seven, monitoring of the provision of services and impact germination. And eight, the exit planning for the indigent because we do not become an indigent forever. When circumstances improve for some, then they need to exit the plan so that uh, then they can then pay for the services. The National Indigent Policy Framework and the Implementation Guidelines were developed to ensure a common understanding, consistency, and comparability in the implementation of the programs. 
Lessons learned from the 16 years of the implementation, despite the strides made in formalizing the program, there still remain a challenge with the implementation of the free basic services indigent policy. These challenges are largely manifested in, amongst others, the slow pace of service delivery with regard to access to free basic services by indigent households, non-indigents accessing the program and performance measurements for the program. The service delivery issue that the program is faced with is the limited access to free basic services by intended beneficiaries. As an example, the proportion of households below the affordability threshold of two state old age pensions in 2019 to 2020 amounted to 10.1 million households compared to the total of 3.5 million indigenous households who were reported by the Statistics South Africa in August 2022 as identified and registered by the municipalities in the 2019-2020 non-financial census. South Africa has calculated that 59% of all households in South Africa fall below this affordability threshold. In 2022-2023, the basic services subsidy component of the local government equitable share will fund 10.1 million households below the affordability thresholds of the two-state old pensions. From this statistics, it is clear that most indigenous households are still not registered by the municipalities and are not benefiting from the free basic services subsidy. The reason that uh, that leads to this vary and the following are the amongst many others. Most municipalities are using the self-targeting approach, waiting on indigent beneficiaries to approach municipality to clear their indigents. So that's the first problem. The municipalities don't go to the people, they wait for the people to come to them. Secondly, most of the indigent households are not even aware of the program due to lack of awareness, raising campaigns and communication strategies in most municipalities, even in the age of an improved technology like your smartphones and uh, and the television says where you can see that every shack and every household has a dish, we still do not take advantage of these particular uh, instruments to communicate. Thirdly, that other municipalities don't even utilize any targeting method. They use their broad-based approach and provide free basic services to all residents, even those that afford to pay for the services. So those are the challenges that we have identified and that these challenges ought then to be, uh, 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 be dealt with so that we can then be able to, to, to then deal with these particular issues. And the other one is the inability to raise own revenue, which leads to most of the municipalities using the free basic service allocations for their own operational issues. Uh, in the adequate provision for indigent households in the revenue management, value chain, ter- tariff design, and other municipal policies increases inefficiency of their municipal operations. Major challenges on treatment of informal settlements and bedroom dwellers. And I think you know the situation as you visit areas and townships. There will be one stand with so many bedroom houses and the person will have declared themselves as indigents. And yet the people that are there paying rent, uh, they only pay that rent to him and he does not pay back the rent to the municipality. And the many uh, uh, flourishing informal settlements that some of them are not even in the register of the municipalities. They have not even captured them as 
the people that also might need. So these are but some of the issues uh, of uh, of of the the challenges that are there. The department has also since developed an indigency policy policy assessment tool. Yes, to annually assess the indigent policies of municipalities uh, in development in line with the national indigent policy framework. These assessments reveal that while most of the municipalities have municipal indigent policies in place, there's still a need to support some municipalities in developing indigent policies in line with the indigent policy framework and the implementation guidelines. The main point of the policy uh, is to help the poor. However, most municipalities are not prioritizing the implementation of, of, of the program as they do not even have communication strategies in place and have not instituted awareness raising campaign as earlier I, I alluded to. And uh, then the most vulnerable societal group is that is women, child, head, household, and the unemployed are frequently not aware of the indigent policy or register and do not register out of fear of attracting adverse official attention. And as a result, indigent registers are often extremely under preservative, uh, leading to them falling to be an effective means of allocating essential services. In most municipalities, access to free basic services subsidy requires households to have municipal accounts, which then implies that most intended beneficiaries might be excluded from the program if such accounts do not exist. And I think you know the challenges of accounts in general, the billing challenges that are there in the municipalities. The majority of the poor have in informal settlements or deep rural areas, former homelands are often non-municipal account holders. Their exclusion results in indigent register being extremely underrepresentative, leading to them falling to be an effective means of measuring the impact of the program. So those are the challenges in the assessment tool. Towards the, the revisal of the policy framework in addressing these challenges, the department, uh, honorable chair, is now putting up a plan guided by and then recommended by the national development plan to develop a standard of national indigent database. The database will be used as an instrument upon which uh, complete data of free services beneficiary will be stored, analyzed, and mapped out the component of the free basic services policy being implemented at each municipality. Track the implementation process, keep record of the application data, help determine whether the program has had any noticeable impact on the beneficiaries. This will assist with enhancing our monitoring and evaluation function and offer the best solutions to creating a consistent application of policy and capacity for national perspective on the conditions of poverty and poverty alleviation efforts because this program was intended to deal with poverty and poverty alleviation. The National Indigent Database will also ensure that municipal indigent uh, policies comply with the national guidelines set. Beneficiaries are appropriately targeted and verified. The implementation is managed in a transformed manner and municipalities are able to determine the full commitment and impact that we're uh, making towards the provision of the basic uh, services. Uh, in the framework, with the following uh, proposed uh, elements, one, the framework and guidelines are now com combined into one document to streamline the framework and guidelines 
remove unnecessary information and duplication, and to make the document concise and clear. Two, the framework and guidelines have been revised to read like a manual to improve the, its use and ease of the implementation. Three, the framework and guidelines are now aligned to the processes of designing an indigent policy in the form of a step-by-step guide. The revised framework and guidelines are intended to be more practical and aligned as much as possible to the individual needs. And then the last two points are the framework and guidelines present common challenges faced by the different municipality and the best practice and a practical solution to the challenge. And the graphical representation of concept and guidelines are preferred in the framework and guidelines. We hope therefore that this will then help us then to detect, to follow, and then to really begin to ensure that those municipalities are in line. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Deputy Minister. We will continue with the debate, and I call on the Honorable Zaid Williams, Eastern Cape MEC, to continue with the debate. Honorable Williams. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. If possible, can you open your uh, video unless you've got a problem? Yes, I've got my video open, but I'm I'm on load setting. <laughs> yeah. Chair, greetings to you, uh, Deputy Chairperson. Thank you. Uh, greetings to the chairperson of the National Council of Provinces, all honorable members of the House, the minister, the chief whip, and everyone present. Honorable chair, the question of South Africa's poor cannot be resolved without addressing their relationship to South Africa's economy. Over the past three decades, they've got increasingly pushed to the margins of economic life by several factors, including the legacy of poor access to quality education and life skills in an environment where the state has really lost control over uh, the management of the poor in South Africa. One of the enduring legacies which the apartheid bequeathed on South, African, on South Africans was through the introduction of Bantustan policy. Apartheid negatively affected the lives of the people and its results are devastating to black people until today. This is an undeniable reality. For instance, according to census 2022, Start South Africa says, if South Africa were a suburb of 100 households, 22 would be beneficiaries of government indigent subsidy program. The Stats South African survey points a gloomy picture about the high level of indigents especially in rural areas and pantostans. The facts are as follows, Chairperson. 22% of households are classified as indigent, and the Eastern Cape has the widest coverage 
with 760,000 indigent households constituting 45% of all households in the province. The OR Tambo District Municipality accounts for 155,000 households and Nelson Mandela Bay Metro accounts for 114,000. According to the National Indigenous Policy Framework, each municipality determines its own criteria for identifying and registering its own indigents based on the municipality's budget and the equitable share from the national revenue in terms of the Division of Revenue Act. The indigent household patterns in South Africa correlate directly with the Bandustan logic and geography. The former Transkai, Bukutatwana, Venda, and Siskai states is where the prevalence of indigents is the highest. This is not the creation of the ANC. It is the creation of the forefathers of some who today want to believe, want us to believe that indigents started with the advent of the ANC's government. Indigents stretches far back to the demarcation of apartheid colonialism and the frontier wars. Poverty is not the creation of the ANC. It is the creation of those who ruled before the ANC. Chairperson, the subsidy to the indigent is the invention of the ANC. It was not there before the ANC government. Facts and figures show that the ANC government has reduced poverty in various dimensions through subsidization of basic services to the indigent household. I'm referring to social grants, water and sanitation, electricity, refuse removal, and school enrollment, as well as the migration to, from analog TV to digital for all indigent households. Honorable members, free basic municipal services are provided at no charge by the ANC government to poor households. The services are water, sanitation, electricity, and refuse removal. This never happened before the ANC came into government. The advent of democracy and the removal of apartheid settlement restrictions have given rise to rapid urbanization and the proliferation of sprawling squatter camps and slums adjacent to towns. This segment of the population has put intense pressure on the ANC government to deliver water, sanitation, electricity, and garbage collection. These are the people who invade land, but municipalities have to provide services to those people. The ANC government has subsidized these households. These are households where 350 rand COVID-19 indigent subsidy goes to. In the 278 municipalities in South Africa, comprising of eight metropolitans, 44 districts, and 226 local municipalities, according to 2020 estimates, there are 3.6 million indigent households as identified by municipalities, and of the 3.6 million, 2.7 indigent households benefited from government support for water, while 2.1 million benefited from free basic electricity provided by municipalities. According to Start South Africa, general household survey conducted in 2017, South Africa has an estimated 3.6 million indigent household. And despite that, each indigent household is entitled to six kiloliters of free water per household each month and 50 kilowatts electricity 
per household, and this represents 18% of the national population. Chairperson, the provision of basic services to the poor remains a priority of the ANC. With over half of South Africa's population in poverty and with the economy ravaged by Russia and Ukraine war and the aftermath of COVID-19 pandemic, the indigent program continues to be a vital lifeline for the 24% of households who would otherwise have no access to basic services. The indigent support program continues to give financial support to child-headed households and people with disabilities. The commitment to deliver services to the indigent dovetails with the ideals contained in the Freedom Charter. The Freedom Charter envisaged a society where in hunger and want are completely eradicated. The distribution of wealth and income in South Africa is largely still characterized by racial and gender demographics of the colonial past. In 2020, 7.8% of South African population, which happens to be white, constituted 64.7% of top management positions and 52.5% of senior management posts as per the Department of Labor Equity Report in 2021. In quarter three of 2021, according to Stats SA, unemployment amongst Africans was at 38.6% compared to 9.2% amongst our white counterparts. According to the ANC's policy discussion document to us, is December 2022 conference. Low economic growth and a huge budget deficit are compounding the difficulties in realizing the ideals enshrined in South Africa's constitution. While progress has been made in the two and a half decades of freedom to extend basic services and reduce poverty, distribution of income and assets still reflects the fault lines of apartheid colonialism. The issue of distribution of national income, the fundamental question of political economy now occupies an important place in our mainstream discourse. Chairperson, allow me to borrow from Emmanuel Wallerstein, an American sociologist and an economic historian, when he said, transition is not a friendly game. It is a fierce struggle for the future and will bring about sharp divisions amongst us. We are living in, a tran in transition times and you must know which shore it is you want to swim towards, because otherwise you will drown. Close quote. The ANC is not only swimming towards the shore, it is swimming with the people. The ANC is a swimmer and a lifeguard. Most people in this house theorize about poverty. Some of us have lived poverty. Some of us don't read about it in newspapers, in academic journals, or in the internet. We know it will have tasted poverty. Therefore, subsidizing the indigenous people is not only a matter of policy, but a moral epithet of justice. Free basic services for indigenous are the cornerstone of South Africa's poverty alleviation strategy. This is one of the ANC's many landmark programs post-1994. As you conclude, However, as you conclude. Thank you, Chair. Due to economic growth rates and rising unemployment, 
it means that South Africans are unable to pay for municipal services by extension. Most municipalities are unable to raise substantial portion of their revenue. The ANC would like to make a higher allocation to the indigents, but financial constraints are an impediment. A research report, Chaperson, my last point, we are, the, we are aware about the, those constraints. We know that a municipality might not be able to service all the indigents due to inadequate infrastructure. The NC remains seized with the commitment to eradicate poverty in our communities. The NC will continue to ensure that it carries out poverty alleviation programs which address the triple challenges of poverty, inequality, and underdevelopment with a view to restore the dignity of our people. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Williams. We now call on Honorable Sileko to continue with the debate. Honorable Sileko, over to you. Goedemiddag, Adjank, voorzitter van die huis van provincies. Nielede, Honorable Chairperson in absentia. Uh, honorable members and honorable deputy minister and minister one would always wonder why we don't see any progress in most municipalities that are governed by the african national congress and i'm not amazed by all the problems that has been uh, spoken about and identified by the dm in his own opening this particular debate uh, but what he liked to say was to to say who, where actually, and who is responsible for services not going to the people. And my advice to the African National Congress, there is nothing that we can do about our past, but there is more we can do about our future. So when you come and speak to the nation, please don't tell us about where we come from. We know where we come from. Be honest with your failures and get out of government and give other parties an opportunity so that we can move forward. Thank you very much. Chairperson, Section 27 of the Constitution states that everyone must have access to appropriate social assistance if they can not afford. Amongst others, vital municipal services. This constitutional goal is very relevant to the estimated 3.6 million indigent families in South Africa. And the non-provision of basic municipal services to indigent households is unfortunately unconstitutional. The inability to provide basic quantities of water, electricity, sewage processing, solid waste removal to the poor, traps the poor in a vicious circle of deepened poverty, indignity and inequality, while failing to rise or to raise the living standard of poverty of the poor. Chairperson, it is clear that most municipalities fail to provide indigent support. In 2020, 41% of indigent families did not receive free basic electricity. More than 42% did not have access to sewage systems. 32% did not benefit from waste removal and 25% live without portable water. Professor Theans Ilov, in an article on Tuesday in News 24, offered an explanation to this when he remarked that the code for word of for a lack of, of capacities is a manner to acknowledge that the toxic mixture of cater deployment, racial transformation, 
and corruption paralyzed the state, including municipalities. Municipalities know who the 3.6 million indigenous families are because they are registered on their municipal indigenous registers. Municipalities cannot honor their obligations towards the poor due to failed ANC governance. They can verify this against the reports of Racing Africa and Good Governance, Africa's 21 Governance Performance Index. Municipalities claim that the poor do not register for indigenous support. The reason for this is that indigenous families have suffered so long that they no longer trust their municipalities. Last year, Afrobarometer stated that only 24% of South, African, South Africans trust their local councils. Distrust convinces many residents to help themselves to electricity and water through illegal connections and not to pay taxes and tariffs. Chairperson, a serious misconception exists about the quantities of services which are linked to the definition of basic services. Just in Jevatos Kluv, 70, 73 units of electricity and six kiloliter water is not meeting basic needs of household, and it is time to link basic services to individuals. National government has the unrealistic expectation that municipalities must be self-funded, and hence they do not pay the entire bill for indigent-related expenses. It means that municipalities who receive less grant funding annually must subsidize the cost for free basic services. Chairperson, last week we celebrated local government week, but my guess is that the poor, there was no much to celebrate for the poor. So then, Chairperson, what, where lies the solutions? For starters, the government must be declare war on ANC's cadre deployment, as many of the cadres have an approach of entitlement to misuse state funds for their own benefit. The regering moet minder praat en meer doen om die economie en dis die belasting en werksbasis te vergroot. The effect of corruption of the poor on the poor is massive and therefore all funds recovered from the corrupt cadres and state capture must be channeled to alleviate, alleviate poverty and for services to indigenous households. A crackdown on cadre deployment and corruption will make a huge difference. Chairperson, the president often talks about creating social compact between government, private and development sectors. And indeed, many businesses will pay their municipal dues and contribute towards programs to support the poor. But they will not donate sizable amounts if they suspect it will become part of the fountain where the cadres steal. National government do not cover the entire cost of housing programs and social development. These are unmandated and partly unfunded mandates, and the money municipalities lose as a result of this should be spent on the poor. Municipalities must find a register Indigenous families, even if it's not easy to reach residents in remote rural and densely populated areas. Municipalities should synchronize their low-cost housing and indigent registers, as most people on the housing list are also indigent. In general, all spheres of government must become apolitical and consider solutions of, past, of parties outside the ANC. The DA launched the cut food cost campaign and the primary remedies will work. It will help if, if families receive their title deeds unable to use their houses as collateral to negotiate financing 
if the Cuban millions are used for local poverty alleviation, if more items are put on the VAT-free list, if import levies on basic foodstuff are abolished, and if the fuel prices are restructured, are restructured to reduce the cost of support, I thank you, Adiyam Fursetter. ANC, wake up and smell the coffee. We are continuing and we are calling on the Honorable TSC Dodovu to continue with the debates. Honorable Dodovu. China. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson of the session, Honorable Lucas, Minister of Finance, Honorable Ino Godongwani, Deputy Minister of Cocta, Honorable Obed Bapela, Honorable MECs of Cocta and Treasury, the Chief Whip of the NCOP, Honorable Muhai, Permanent and special delegates, ladies and gentlemen, after almost three decades of democracy, South Africa has made steady progress in bettering the lives of its citizens, among others by introducing an extensive system of social grants, the free basic services program, and other social welfare policies in order to eliminate poverty and to provide sustainable livelihoods, especially for the historically disadvantaged individuals and the poor. Despite making progress in that regard, as matters stand now, our country is facing some challenges of major magnitude, and some of them unprecedented, since the advent of a new constitutional dispensation in 1994. These challenges manifested largely by the stubborn issues of economic decline, unemployment, poverty, crime and corruption, land hunger, food insecurity and energy crisis. Currently, the country has a world-leading level of inequality, with a Gini coefficient of income distribution of 0.7%. The wealth is even more unequally distributed, with the wealthiest 1% of the population owning half of all the wealth in the country. As part of this deeply unequal society, only 16% of the population has access to medical aid and the rest of other people rely on the public health care sector that is overcrowded and yet under-resourced. Honorable Chair, poverty remains unacceptably high and in 2021, over half of the population, which is about 31 million people, live below the official poverty line higher for female-headed households than the male-headed households. A quarter, which is about 15 million people, lived in extreme poverty, unable to afford enough food to meet their basic needs. In order to address the situation painted above, the government has adopted a social security net 
which one of its cornerstones is the indigent relief policy. The basic point of departure, Honorable Chair, for the indigent relief policy is to assist and subsidize poor households with the revenue received through the equitable share in order to enable municipalities to provide basic services to the communities and to perform the functions allocated to them. While according to the Constitution of the Republic, everyone has a right to access to basic services, it remains the duty of each municipality to ensure the provision of such basic services in a sustainable manner. This can only be possible if the municipalities have the financial and administrative capacity to do so. Honorable Chairperson, in implementing the social relief policy, the government fully understands that poverty is the consequence of social and economic exclusion. It is a product of inequality produced in a society where wealth is concentrated in the hands of a minority, like in our case. The intervention through the social relief policy the ANC government has implemented over the years serves to include the poor and to ensure their participation in the mainstream economic, social, and cultural life of a society. Equally, it helps an individual whose dignity has been assaulted and whose life chances for personal advancement have been curtailed. In the context of South Africa, the indigent relief policy is premised on the concept of Ubuntu. Ubuntu articulates a social humanism of interpersonal care, sharing, and a commitment to the greater social good. Ubuntu posits a, a, a human being as a social construct in a public culture of human solidarity when individual is not an entity severed from other human beings, but is human by virtue of other humans. In the city of Matrasana in the Northwest, an indigent who qualifies for a subsidy must be the household whose combined income is less than 4,000 rands per month. To qualify, such a household must be registered on the indigent database. Examples of others who qualify include pensioners, the unemployed, the child health families, and the youth-headed families. In Matosana, once a person is registered and approved as an indigent, the municipality will endeavor to render a basic standard and level of services necessary to ensure an acceptable and reasonable quality of life, taking into account the health and environmental con considerations of the community. In this city, the indigent subsidy support given to each household 
cover a subsidy amount equal to the value of six kiloliters of water, a refuse removal of an up to 240 liters of container per week, a cost of sewer drainage basic charge, the 50 kilowatts of electricity per household, and 100% of the rates as subsidized by the property race policy to the benefit of the indigents. The city of Matosana has also a burial and cremination benefits policy for the indigents, where the removal and burial of a dead poor body within its area of jurisdiction is its responsibility, subject to the provisions of the Inquest Act and the Birth, Marriages and Death Registration Act. Honorable Chairperson, unfortunately, the Matosana is a shadow of its former self with a lot of political, governance, administrative, financial management and service delivery problems. We cannot confidently say today that it is a city of people on the move, but the city of incompetence and gangsters. Without being nostalgic, with East Matrosana Agenda 16, the city and the municipality itself used to be a well-run city and ranked among the top 10 Category B municipalities in South Africa, especially in terms of service delivery, good governance, infrastructure development, and economic progress. We need a paradigm shift, a paradigm shift that will ensure that the municipality itself turns it around and becomes a beacon of hope for the city of people. Today, this municipality has got some problems, as I indicated, and those relate to the indigenous register itself, its billing system, its revenue enhancement and debt collection policies, and all of these need to be addressed through the appointment of effective political and administrative leadership. Honorable Chairperson, the indigenous relief policy is one of the extensive social assistance support network in South Africa that the ANC government has initiated and implemented. South Africa's social assistance program, as I pointed out, covers more than 20 million people, the majority of which are 12 million recipients of the child support grant, which is provided to the children in need up to the 18th birthday. The, foster ch- the, the, the child foster care grant is extended to families who take care of orphan, or orphan children. In addition to this, there is also an old age grant, the war veterans grant, the disability grant, and the child dependency grant. It is only those who don't have eyes to see and who don't have ears to hear that this is done to alleviate the plight of the poor. And the poor are greatly appreciating this and they know that it is their government and the government of the people, the ANC, that has delivered all of this. Despite all this shenanigans, despite all this rhetoric, despite all of these sorts of things that are held against the ANC government, these are practical things 
that the ALC government has delivered over the years. What about the housing subsidy scheme that benefits the people who do not have shelter over their heads? What about the kids who go to school every day, who get the support from the from the same ALC government in respect of the food the food nutrition scheme? And those are the things that are combined with the indigent relief policy. The ANC government is advancing to the benefit of the people of this country. Whether you like it or not, whether you can howl, those are the things that you see every day. And this is a daily experience of the people of this country. The government, as a result of all of this, Honorable Chair, estimates that 684 billion rents over the medium term will go towards the payment of social grants, specifically which are administered by SASA. This is in response to the rising problems of unemployment, but also by the global recession, as well as the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is done, again, to ensure that coupled with the war on poverty campaign, and a comprehensive anti-poverty strategy, though all of this target the most deprived communities at local level so that the households are empowered and are lifted out of poverty by linking the social grants to economic development. In conclusion, Honorable Chair, while this important to the, while this is important to the benefit of the poor, Over-reliance on social welfare grants, including the indigenous relief subsidies, is not sustainable for the future trajectory of our country. This needs to be blended and to be mixed up with the possibility of creating job opportunities for the people of this country. And going forward, growing the economy and creating jobs is the way to go. Job creation will increase spending And this will cause a positive multiplier effect to the country, which will help to address its own imbalances and stimulate the economic growth of our country. Job creation, of course, as we all know, reduces unemployment because the more jobs are created, is the more people work and taking the poor out of the indigenous relief program. This is what needs to be done in coupling this with the indigent relief that is so necessary for the people of this country. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Dodovu. We continue, and we will now call on Honorable Masipuya of Gauteng to continue with the debate. Chairperson, the... Uh... MEC is unavailable and is attended an apology. And she has not indicated that anyone will take a place. If none, if she has not delegated, we will continue. And we will now call on Honorable Hadebe to continue with the debate. Honorable Hadebe. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members, Section 27 of our Constitution 
states that everyone has the right to have access to social security, including if they are unable to support themselves and their dependents. As a nation that prides itself on being guided by the Constitution, hearing this section should compel us into asking what else we can do to help the most vulnerable in our society. According to 2020 estimates, 3.6 million households were I were identified as indigent, which is an increase of 6.4% from the 2019 financial year. Presently, most municipalities grant indigent status to households earning between 1,861 and 3,720 a month. However, the exact number of indigent households might be much higher as the number of indigents is approved by municipalities according to their capacity to provide. This is quite concerning, considering that the proportion of indigent households that do not benefit from assistance in the four critical services has either stagnated or, in the case of access to electricity and sewerage, has increased between 2015 and 2020. Additionally, the COVID-19 lockdown period have placed these families under even more economic pressure. This leads me to the question of what we can do to help ease the economic pressure on these families. The 8020 Prepaid Electricity Debt Recovery Program is one example of how we can help indigent families to not have to choose between food and basic services. This program is is designed for those who are in financial difficulty and cannot afford to pay the accumulated debt owed to their municipality. Instead of leaving people with no electricity, they will be able to to apply for a prepaid electricity meter at at the municipality customer service or office. The consolidated debt, which includes services and rates charges, will be added to their prepaid meter box. Each time they buy electricity, 50% will be allocated to the outstanding debt while the other 50% will be allocated to to their usage. This program enables the indigent households to pay off their debt without gaining additional debt, as no interest is charged from the time the application is approved. This enables people to pay off their debt according to their budgets, as opposed to signing a credit agreement with the municipality, which demands that the debt must be paid within a prescribed period. It is evident that the program is beneficial to both the municipality and those indebted to it, as the the municipality would be recovering debt and its customers would not have services disconnected. Since its its inception, this program has helped to ease the financial pressure of many of our constituents in some municipalities. Our intention has always been to help our constituents out of poverty so that they can become self-reliant. Although taking a one-size-fits-all approach to to indigent support might be difficult to implement as the level of vulnerability differs in each household, we recommend that this debt recovery program should be considered as a blueprint of how we can help struggling families in a way that is empowering. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Hadebe. The next to continue with the debate will be Honorable 
Thank you. Over Honorable Deputy Chaperson of the NCOP, the Chief Whip of the NCOP, Honorable Mohai, the Minister of Finance, Honorable Kodongwane, Deputy Minister of Cocta, Honorable Popela, Honorable Members of the House, as we engage this afternoon on our policies to protect the most vulnerable from the threat and indignity of poverty. Let us recall the departed servants of our people who championed the cause of the poor. Among that is the former minister, Edna Mlewa, who passed away on this day in 2018. We will always honor Minister Mulewa for her leadership on environmental protection and fight against climate change, which in recent time has rendered the poorest of the poor more vulnerable to the extreme weather patterns like floods, droughts, and fires in the province, especially here in Guazulu-Natal. The debate on the support that local government provide to cushion the indigent is crucial and directly speaks to the right to the dignity and the right to life which is enshrined in our constitution. Honorable members, it is a debate that reminds us of the character and the mission of the Africa's oldest and glorious liberation movement the ANC. It was the ANC that led the Multiracial Congress Alliance, which declared in June 1955 that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, black and white. And if that is to find true meaning, it should be also about cushioning the poor from extreme conditions of suffering. Honorable Chair, 20 years, 28 years into freedom and democracy, the ANC-led government has led from the front to deliver fundamental transformation and reduce the gap between the haves and have not. In our strategy and tactics, the ANC states that, I quote, the NGR seek to build a society based on the best in human civilization in terms of political and human freedom, socioeconomic rights, value system and identity. Such human civilization should be reflected firstly in the constant improvement of the means to take advantage of our natural environment, turn it into collective human advantage, and ensure its regeneration for the future years. Secondly, it should find expression in the management of human relations based on the political equality and social inclusion. If there were to be a single measure of the civilization mission, it would be how it treats the most vulnerable in the society. Close quote. In line with this vision, President Madiba, in his first 
first state of the nation in May 1994, said, as I quote, we must contract the people-centered society of freedom in such a manner that it guarantees the political and the human right of all our citizens, close quote. Honorable members, there are those who don't want us to refer to the history we've gone through. The new is born out of the womb of the old. We are a society we are today because we have been nurtured by the history and the evolution of our society to be where we are. There might be those who feel allergic when we talk about the impact of apartheid. The reality is that there was apartheid and it has produced some of the challenges we are facing today. Honorable Chair, local government is the, is the cold face of government and the sphere closest to the people. It is where the people live and it is where change must find expression. As we meet here, we know that a number of our local municipalities are in financial distress and faced with a number of challenges which affect the service delivery and the quality of basic services. Since 1994, the ANC has been working hard to create a single local government from the various racial-based and ethnic-based administration of colonial and apartheid era. While under apartheid, rural areas and a number of black townships were neglected and under-resourced, the post-democratic state has been working hard to ensure that the millions of people are improved in improved impoverished rural areas are prioritized. The DTM approach is one of those adopted by the sixth administration to improve coordination of all spheres of government to ensure that local government deliver on the promise of a better life for all. The expansion of delivery of water, sanitation, electricity, and other social infrastructure requires resources. And part of the challenge faced by a number of municipalities is the lack of revenue. We continue to encourage people to pay for services through Masakani campaign. We must, however, understand that the indigent policies are meant to cushion the poor, and therefore we must separate those who are able to pay to pay, and then the poor be supported through indigent policies. It is thus important for our municipalities to have clear indigent policies that are comprehensive, and the data collection is important so that those people who are in that list would have been proven that they are indeed indigent. We cannot undermine the effect of unemployment rate, which continues to affect many people in our country. Equally, the standard of living continues to be unaffordable. The ACAS 2021 Household Affordability Index by the NGO based in Peter Marisbeck called Peter Marisbeck Economic Justice and Dignity paints a gloom picture for many households, especially poor households. 
In August 2022, the average cost of household food basket was at least 4,700. Month on month, the average cost of household basket increases by 0.6%. We do need to pay attention to this as we also understand that the continued increase of fuel impact on goods and sales. Income is being disseminated by high cost of transport, electricity, and food. The high cost of food remains a major challenge for millions of South Africans. In August, we saw women saying that they feel the streets are becoming monthly more unsafe. More people are getting robbed. There is a feeling that more people are in trouble and desperate and willing to steal to survive. All of these honorable members point to the fact that we need to do more to safeguard our people from poverty and hunger. In 2001, our country adopted a policy intended for the provision of basic services to the poor. Child-headed household and household without access to basic services are regarded as indigent. Municipalities were tasked to identify indigent households that would receive these, uh, uh, these services. Various sector departments have set minimum standards outlining basic out- amount of services and quantity to be supplied to the indigent with regard to water, energy, and sanitation. In KwaZulu-Natal, we have also identified many of these impoverished households through Operation Sukumasat. We continue to subsidize and support them through the intervention by social development and other agencies. Municipalities subject to all applications are making means to cushion the people living in rural areas. Thus, we say, while we regard these key interventions as instrumental, we should also not forget that South Africans need to be productive, and the task of creation of jobs remains important. We should therefore avoid becoming a social welfare state, but ensure that there is a balance, cushioning the poor on one hand, but ensure that we create sustainable employment for the poor so that they will be productive in their own space. We dare not linger in protecting the poor from the violence and indignity of deprivation and want. I thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable MEC Zikalala. We are continuing and I call now on Honorable Okam, Bale Okam to continue with the debate. There we go. Honorable Chairperson, uh, Minister, Honorable Members, in preparing for this debate, I've researched some synonyms for the word indigent because a lot of people out there does not know what it means. The various dictionaries 
came up with the following words. Destitute, impoverished, needy, penniless, poverty-stricken, beggared, down and out, flat broke. Now, let us allow these descriptions to sink in for a moment. What must it feel like to have absolutely nothing? What must it feel like to not know where your next meal will come from? Or to know that your children will go to bed hungry tonight, or cold, or even both? Let us imagine what it must feel like to know that you don't have a roof over your head, or that you don't have enough money to buy clothes to cover your hungry body. It's hard, isn't it? Now, let us imagine how helpless our poorest people must feel knowing that they are forgotten and not being cared for by this government. Soos wat ons in Afrikaans sê, Agbara Adjang Voorzitter, wat a skande. To have a debate about how to subsidize services to our indigenous people without looking into the macroeconomic failures of this government, which led to their poor circumstances, would be the same as to look for the cure of a virus without investigating the origins thereof. It is the responsibility of a government to govern in such a way that will be to the benefit of all these people, especially the poor. The reality in South Africa is unfortunately far from it. It is absolutely necessary to assist our indigenous people by subsidizing basic services to them. But how can this government do it sufficiently when there is constant self-enrichment by the very same people that are supposed to take care of the poor and the needy? How can this government care for our indigenous people whilst corruption and fruitless, fruitless and wasteful expenditure is on the order of the day? This government wasted billions of rands to bail out corruption-ridden and failing state-owned enterprises. It is guilty of the mismanagement of our country's finances on all levels of government. And it is responsible for the loss of investments into our country due to the poor levels of trust that this government portrays to the world out there. The money and opportunities lost due to all of these failures by this government could have been allocated towards alleviating poverty and to create jobs for our people. The subsidizing of basic services to our indigenous people must be done through the equitable share that municipalities get. Yet, irrespective of the fact that most of our municipalities are bankrupt, the first thing on the agenda of ANC mayors is not the needy and the poor and their requirements for a greater living. It is to buy a brand new shining German motor car. Again, like we say in Afrikaans, what a skande, what a skande. Honorable Chairperson, Deputy Chairperson, the next harsh reality that all our people, especially our indigenous people, have to face is the extreme rise in living costs in South Africa. The rise of food prices is skyrocketing, abated by the war in Ukraine, to whom our government supposedly is standing neutral. Again, what a scandal. Taxi and transport costs are going through the roof due to high fuel prices. The cost of clothing 
and other imports are extremely high due to the low value of our currency. The extreme rise in our daily living costs is felt by all people, but it surely has got the harshest impact on the poorest of the poor and our indigenous people. All of this, whilst our government is hell-bent on defending economically crippling policies such as cater deployment, expropriation without compensation, and a failing triple B double E policy, without taking into consideration what the negative effects thereof are to our economy. The domino effect that poor governance has got on our indigenous people is frightening. The more that this government enriches itself through corruption, combined with the decrease in investment confidence in our country, as well as the never-ending wasteful expenditures due to incompetency on all levels of government, will further increase our ever-growing unemployment figures, which will in turn see to it that there are more people that are indigent, but with way less money to pay for them. Honorable Chairperson, there is one thing that this government proved over the time, and it is their inability to care for the poor. The only way in which a proper subsidizing of basic services to indigenous people will take place is for the people of South Africa to give the ANC the boot and show them the door in the next elections and elect a proper and caring government led by the Democratic Alliance. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Okam. We continue and we call on Honorable Dutoy to continue with the debate. After that, we will give over to the Honorable House Chairperson, Honorable Nguenya, to continue presiding over this debate. Honorable Dutoy. Achtbare voorzitter, is Zuid-Afrika een welzijnstaat en hoe lang kan ons het volhou? Die regering is te blameer vir die groot percentatie werkloosheid, armoede en holbehoewenis in Zuid-Afrika. Die regering maak jaarliks meer en meer Zuid-Afrikaners afhankelijk van die staat. Hy hou wel afhankelijk dier die krimmels van die tafel af te vee en self met die brood onder die arm te loop en kla. Die ANC het tot een vlak gedaal waar hy omself in die regering probeer houd ten koste van sommige se trots aansien en voortbestaan wat hier hom verwoes word en al forceer om afhankelijk van maandelikse toelaas en karbonaaikie te wees in ruil vir een kruisie by stembus. Die roes van een regide arbeidswetgeving, rassekotas, beerkracht, swart ekonomiese bemachtiging, protestacties, corruptie, kaderontplooiing, vreed die ekonomie en baie se voortbestaan, starig opvoorzitter, in 1994, the unemployment rate stood at 20.5% and in 1996, 29.87%. It's common knowledge that unemployment um, has a huge impact on the number of impoverished and indigenous citizens. After nearly three decades of ANC rule, the unemployment rate stands at a staggering 33.9% with about 4.8 million jobless youth. In September 2019, Honorable David Mabuza has called for the apartheid-era culture to end after he, as an ANC veteran, explained that during the struggle, the ANC had encouraged non-payment aimed at the government to bring about liberation in South Africa. And this eroded the municipal tax base and contributed to more unemployment, resulting in even more indigent individuals. Currently, municipalities experience challenges. Uh, differentiating between non-payers and true indigents is quite difficult. According to an article published in the Journal of Asian and African Studies, she opened, quote, the term indigent has gained currency in South Africa when, after 2001, 
municipalities started to introduce the free basic services. At least three and a half million many black poor households, 25% of the total population in South Africa, qualified as indigenous in 2014, according to the state. Together with government schemes to assist the most vulnerable, social grants, free reconstruction and development housing programs, no-fee schools and other support programs, indigent social packages, free basic water and debt write-offs had become the ANC's social wage for the poor people. Child support grants grew from a mere 150,000 beneficiaries in the year 2000, wait for it, to 10 million recipients in 2011. Grants do make a significant difference, although means-tested support continues to stigmatize recipients. However, it has also been argued that the state welfare system is a form of uh, encadement or patronage used by the ANC to ensure that it maintains the electoral loyalty of the black poor, close quote. The escalation in indigenous numbers and social welfare beneficiaries is not an achievement, Jay, but it illustrates the government's inability to provide job security and stability. Dit is noodzakelijk dat die regering verantwoordelijkheid neem, nie net om in die basis behoeftes te voorsien dat allemaal een waardige bestaan kan voer dier werkskeping te verseker nie, maar ook dat sy mandaat om kwaliteit dienst aan die belastingbetaler te lewe. Government subsidize the indigent grant to a certain extent, and also advocates for economic empowerment, but transparency, sound business practices, accurate monitoring of projects and initiatives, and a holistic, fair and sustainable approach is lacking resulting in money being spent without yielding the anticipated results. Voorzitter, municipaliteiten onder ANC beheer hou keer op keer kampanjes om soveel inwoners as moendlik in die onderskye weike gedierende verkiesingsjare as halbehoevenis geregistreer te kry, a Judas oomlik. Ten spuite van die feit dat die tesorie toegevens ter subsidiering van halbehoevenis aan municipaliteiten betaal, is die municipale koffers wat getap word om financiële koortval aan te spreek en dienstverskaffers te betaal. En die belastingbetaler moet paas staan hiervoor. Senior officials from Treasury recently managed, uh, mentioned that while about 151 municipalities are teetering on the brink of collapse, 43 have already collapsed and require urgent intervention to rescue them. Close quote. Die VF Plus is glad nie onsympathiek ten oor die halbehoevenis nie. Die ANC-regering misbruik echter hierdie persone ten koste van belastingbetalers. The current indigent and other social support initiatives of government is not sustainable, Chair. The country needs to be rid of the ANC's tyranny and its oppression. Thank you, Chair. Thanks very much, Honourable Member. Honourable Members, we continue with our debate. I'll now like to call Honorable A.T. Malika, ANC. Honorable Malika. Uh, thank you, House Chairperson. Greeting to the Chairperson, Deputy Chairperson, Chief Whip, House Chairperson, Ministers, Deputy Ministers, MSCs, Special and Permanent Delegates. House Chair, as the National Council of Provinces, we have just come from an imported local government week, during which amongst many critical issues that were raised, this matter of the indigent policy and its application by municipalities was engaged. The concerns that were raised largely revolved around 
the application of lack thereof of the indigent grant and the differentiated uh, approach that municipalities apply in distributing the grant. The African National Congress and its government has been lauded for providing the largest social security support on the continent, and it has provided the most vulnerable with the means from avoiding absolute poverty. The context that the ANC approaches the matter of the indigent grant must be seen within the ANC's policy and philosophical orientation towards building a national democratic society in which our strategies for social transformation must seek to empower people to lift themselves out of poverty while creating adequate social nets to protect the most vulnerable in our society. The ANC's approach is a multidimensional and developmental, not social welfareist in approach. It is about providing the necessary foundations for a family to build upon and use in liberating itself out of poverty and towards a more secure economic base. It moves beyond survival in this regard. We say this as we are very aware that the South African economy has not been growing enough to create the much-need job opportunities to reduce the high rate of unemployment, high level of poverty, and where there is employment, this is remarked by extreme inequality between income and us. The most affected social, social group or strata in society by unemployment is the youth. 60% of youth South Africans are unemployed. As a nation, we have the highest levels of inequality in the world as a result of the extortion of the majority in this political economy. The structural and systematic inequality in the country further widens the gap that exists between the rich and the poor and intergenerational mobility is low reproducing inequalities from one generation to another with marginal change over periods. This is demonstrated by the number of people who are dependent on social grants. 60% of the supposed economical active population is unemployed, with more than 18 million people receiving social grants, which close to 6 million are benefiting from the social relief of distress grant provided by the government as the response to COVID-19. We characterize the provision of the indigent grant as part of the social wage human support infrastructure that the ANC provides targeting the poor who need the support of the state to survive. Social wage is an important concept that the ANC has introduced in governance since it refers to those non-wage additions when put together, provide material support to a family to boost their actual wage. Since 1994, and in particular since 2002, the social wage under the ANC has grown massively. This is one of the ANC's methods of dealing with poverty through the application of the social wage policy and in this case, uh, the indigent grant. 
The indigent grant is a vital mechanism to avoid the, the traps of absolute poverty. It is application. The ANC government was very clear that the policy framework should provide the necessary flexibility given that the character and environment across the between, across and between municipality differs. So informed by the policy and, uh, resolution of the government party that the indigent grant has been provided for since 2006 with the guidelines which basically provide provide for a differentiated approach in how it is applied and with option for development by municipalities. What therefore was expected by the NC government was for municipality using a differentiated approach to suit their condition to provide the support to the poor households of the free basic service programs, free basic water, free basic sanitation, free basic electricity, and free basic refusal removal. Research informs us that the implementation of this policy has had a huge and positive impact of the PRS of households and consistency of ANC, ANC saves. It is allowed these households to use their resources they have to address their economy, schooling, and transport needs. In rural areas, it has allowed poor households to use their resources to revive smaller holding provided through the through another ANC policy that of land restitution and distribution program to ensure that these families can generate vegetables and dairy and meat produce themselves and their immediate communities. During the local government week, we the challenge that arose was not so much the philosophy and principle of the indigent grant itself, but rather its interpretation and application, or in cases that we had misapplication and waste of all use of the allocation grant for municipal, municipal operational needs while it's illegal. The guidelines explain possible possible options on specific processes that municipality needs to consider and administer in order to implement their indigent policies. And this includes the criteria for the selection of indigents, the registration process that municipalities can apply, the screening of indigents, approval of applications, the necessary management system, required implementation of free basic services to indigents, monitoring and the provision of services and impact dimension and exit planning for indigents. The case, therefore, for the differentiation approach is clear and all municipalities have implemented the grant using the methodology. However, it is from here that uh, challenges have set in. Selection, screening, and, regist- and registration of indigent candidates has had its own challenges, and these are not because of guidelines are not clear. We all know that when someone wants to be corrupt and they are caught out, they immediately blame the instrument that they had responsibility for the deliver the grant.
We therefore, as our local government week, identify have a human resource challenge and ethical challenge among some. And let us repeat because generation generalization is incorrect among some who have the responsibility of implementing the indigent grant. This, however, distorts the system. Interpretation of the indigent grant and its uh, specific application has also seen a lot of uh, challenges. And we need to say it goes back to the training and development of those who have up to apply the system. As reviews by municipalities indicate understanding the grant and its application is a source of risk and challenge. The other, the other area where a lot of improvement is needed is on targeting. We need through our oversight as the NCOP to ensure that there is a great agency between officials who have to administer the system and the targeted indigent households where this agency is weak. We have challenges and disputes with households claiming they have been excluded, but they yet they qualify. Targeting, it is a product of primary research, and this skill needs to be rebuilt into those responsible to apply the system. To come to the lessons for, from our local government week, what is unacceptable is a situation where the indigent, indigent, indigent grant is being used to cover municipal operation costs. It is unforgivable, and the SOP oversight needs to expose this and ensure that the necessary discipline measures are taken against such individuals. Clarity alignment of actual cost of, for example, electricity and what a comprehensive indigent policy should cover um, matters that the department and the national treasurer need to engage. Further, it is clear that the poor financial standing of the majority of our municipalities has resulted in practices which uh, fall outside of uh, policy and regulation. It cannot be that funds meant for the poorest because become an opportunity for pledging financially gaps in a municipality. In conclusion, uh, House Chairperson, that despite more than 4 million houses being built by the democratic government over the years, more South Africans live in formal settlement and in a detailed environment. And our townships are without the necessary basic services such as water and social amenities. Rental accommodation is unaffordable for the majority of the poor and workers, where the minority white population and the black middle strata live in suburbs with adequate facilities and services as a result of the inherited legacy and of apartheid special planning of separate development. The indigent grant as a part of the social wage policy of the ANC government remains a mechanism to prevent absolute poverty from occurring and is progressive. Our challenge is not ANC policy, but rather how it is being interpreted and applied by those who have responsibility to implement it. Uh, Honorable Sleiko, 
Angixoli, if when Uti Aufuni Uguza, where we are from, because we were not part of the struggle, you only focus on Western Cape Province and college and municipalities. I thank you, Chair. Thank you, my credentials. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. Honorable Members, who are continuing with our debate, I would now like uh, to call me Honorable E. Kodongwane, Minister of Finance. Honorable Kodongwane. Uh, Chairperson, Honorable MSs uh, here, Honorable Members, uh, good afternoon. Thanks to Chairperson and Honorable Members for a lively and insightful debate this afternoon. This debate takes place against the backdrop of a difficult economic situation. Numerous socioeconomic challenges, including high unemployment, increasing inequality gaps, rises in crime statistics, and poverty rates. And as the number of municipalities in financial distress increases, from 86 in 2013, 2014, 225 in 2017, 2018, and 125 in 2019, 2020. Furthermore, it is important to know that for the three municipalities are in extreme financial, uh, financial and service delivery difficulties. And therefore, it's a downward in terms of finances. Madam Chair, it is clear from what has been reported that it is not only our people who are facing the most hardship, but also the institutions that are at the core phase of service delivery are also struggling as a result. Governance failures are at the core of these problems. And elected leaders of municipalities must take accountability for governance. Without intervention, the inequality and poverty gap will continue to widen. Historically, most government expenditures have been directed towards combating poverty and inequality. Government subsidizes municipality for the cost of providing free basic services to poor households through the local government equitable share. Municipalities with limited resources are able to acquire basic administrative and governance capacity and perform core municipal functions. In light of this unconditional nature of this unconditional nature of the local government equitable share, accounting officers have great discretion in reprioritizing the local government equitable share allocations. The basic service component of the local government equitable share helps municipalities provide free basic water sanitation, electricity, and refuse removal services to households that fall below an affordable threshold. The formula's affordability measure, which is used to determine how many households need free basic service, is based on the level of two state old age pensions. In 2022 terms, this monthly income is equivalent to about 4,000 and then run per month. The basic service component allocation to each municipality is calculated by
by multiplying monthly subsidy per household by the updated number of households below the affordable threshold in each municipal area. The basic service component provides a subsidy of 488 rand per month in 2022 for the cost of providing basic service for each of these households. The subsidy includes funding for the provision of free basic water, energy, and sanitation and refusal mover. In 2022-23, uh, 63.9 billion is allocated to municipality through this component to fund the cost of providing services to indigent households. The local government equitable share provides free basic service to poor households as per the affordable threshold. But the affordability threshold is not an official poverty line or a level municipality must use in their own poverty policies. Indigents are often underfunded by municipalities uh, compared to those funded through local government equitable share. The cost of providing the basic service incurred by municipalities over the last four audit periods is also significantly lower than the free basic service subsidy provided in the local government equitable share. In the 2019-20 year, for example, the formula provided subsidies for 10.1 million households. However, the non-financial census of municipalities 2019 released by State SA on the 31st of March 2021 indicated that municipalities reported only 2.9 million households as indigent and poor. Therefore, although municipalities develop subsidy frameworks based on on targeting mechanisms to prevent wealthy and middle-class households from receiving free basic services, there is need to ensure that all indigenous households are provided with free basic services. This should be in spite of a variety of targeting or classification methods, that is income, geographical, property, and service values. I'm making this point, but I must say the cost of living, which is a reason, uh, reason at the moment, has, is necessitating a review of this in, indigent in the last of the impact of the basket of services that are providing by municipalities. That's a matter which we'll discuss with Salka and them in the, in the budget forum. As I conclude, municipalities must ensure that they render basic services, maintain their assets and clean spaces. Furthermore, there must be continuous communication with community and other stakeholders to improve the municipality's reputation. This will assist in attracting investment in the local economy, resulting in reduced unemployment. It is easier for consumers to pay for services if they are reliable and when spaces are well maintained. I thank you. Thanks very much, uh, Honorable Member. Uh, Honorable Members, the next speaker is R.B. Makam. Lipopo MEC, Dr. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Chair Person, the Deputy Chairperson of the COP, the Honorable the Chief of the NCOP, 
honorable members and delegates, permanent and special delegates. Our honorable minister for finance, honorable Godongwani, deputy minister, honorable Bapela, my colleagues, MEC for COCTA, Salga leadership, the select committee and other parliamentary committees, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Honorable Chair, I want to register my appreciation for the opportunity to contribute to this August debate under the theme, Indigent Support, Subsidization of Basic Services to Indigent Households. My input reflects on the following points, Honorable Chair. It will touch on the issue of the legislative framework, the historical context of the indigent support, implementation of the indigent support, impact on beneficiary and society in general. We will also look at the challenges which other honorable members have already said. In terms of the section 152 of the question, provides that the municipality must strive within its financial and administrative capacity to ensure that, amongst others, ensure the provision of services in a sustainable manner. Section 1521C says it must promote social and economic development. Of course, in terms of Section 74 of the Local Government Municipal System Act of 2000, a municipal council must adopt and implement a tariff policy. A tariff policy must reflect at least the following principles, namely the user of municipal services should be treated equally and in the application of tariffs. The amount of individual users pay on for services should generally be in proportion to the use of that service. Poor households must have access to at least basic services through a tariff that will cover only operating and maintenance costs. A special tariff or lifeline tariff for low levels of use of consumption for a basic service level. In another direct or indirect method for subsidization of tariff for poor households. Of course, the municipal indigent policy is meant to guide the national initiative to enhance indigent lives and access to free basic services and places an emphasis on social safety net. It establishes a high level framework for national initiative to better the lives of the poor. In 2005, the social sector cluster approved a municipal indigent policy framework as part of the social wage package. Following that, the guidelines for municipal implementation of the national indigent policy were authorized by MINMEC in 2006. The indigent policy framework serves as a foundation for provision of free basic services to the indigent and improves on indigent policies implementation by municipalities. The indigent support policy must provide procedures and guidelines for subsidization of basic services and tariff charges to its indigent households. The extent of the subsidization of the tariff for poor households and other categories of users should be fully disclosed. The local government equitable share continues to receive above inflation increases above the because it allows municipalities to offer free basic services to indigent residents who cannot afford to pay. And Honorable Godongwani even brought the formula in terms of the calculation. Only indigent households qualify for free basic services. On an annual basis, there is an equitable share portion that provides for agreed monthly cost per household for free basic services. This cost is provided per service 
that is water, electricity, sanitation, refuse removal. During the budgeting process, municipalities are therefore expected to allocate this cost to free basic services. Of course, the national policy framework for municipal indigent policy stipulates that the term indigent, and somebody try to clarify what it is that is uh, indigent, which means the lack of necessities in life. The Constitution provides a guide in this regard, leading to the view that the following goods and services are considered as necessities for individuals to survive. One, social sufficient water, basic sanitation, refuse removal, environmental health, basic energy, healthcare, housing, food and clothing. While municipal choice must be maintained, it is possible to define benchmark set for of targeting mechanism applicable to South African conditions. On water supply, a visible targeting at least six kiloliters per month to those who, with plot or household. In terms of sanitation, a service level targeting with either property value or consumption-based charge or both applied to waterborne sanitation or service level. In terms of electricity, a consumption-based tariff with the first 50 kiloliter kilowatts per month provided as free for indigenous people. The refuse removal targeting based on a property value with additional services level payments for those requiring more than one basic service. The Indian support is a multifunctional support which involves local, provincial, and national government as Honorable uh, Godongwani spoke about that. Every municipality budgeting process considers the affordability for the municipality when allocating free basic service above the national norm and the consumers other than the indigent. So municipalities can still provide above the norm for as long as they afford. Municipalities are also advised to enforce the culture of payment of services through their normal credit control policies. In this regard, it should be noted that municipalities are only compensated for free basic services based on indigent user component calculation through the equitable share. As such, a municipality's allocation of free basic services to all of the municipality's consumers is not funded in the equitable share. Of course, the constitutional court judge decision in Mazibuga and others, Western City of Johannesburg and others, on the 8th of October 2009, confirmed that the municipality has the right to disconnect the water services in the event of non-payment. In the case of registered indigent users, water may not be disconnected, but can and should only be restricted to a national policy limit of six kiloliters of water on a monthly basis. Access to basic services improve inclusivity, thus improving the lives and the dignity of our people. Of course, honorable members spoke about the challenges which affect the implementation thereof of the policy of indigent. Of course, one of the issues as a challenge is the number of backyard dwelling in a household, which is not included within the system, which distort the number of those that fall under indigence and those who are able to pay for services rendered. The second challenge that we find when we are doing or providing is the inadequate internal municipal process in identifying and maintaining indigent customers. Also low turn up of indigents to access free basic, e.g. where indigents fail to collect the free electricity token from ESCOM. We do have such challenges. 
municipalities, of course, lose lots of money to undeserving indigent customers, mainly because they are not linked to home affairs to verify the existence and such system for confirmation. They, they just go and believe and uh, believe on the declaration they give of David, uh, but also confirmation by what councillor. But you will not necessarily have information that will link with the SARS that Of course, the other challenge we find ourselves on the other basic is the poor spending, particularly on conditional grants, compels municipalities to apply for rollover, which result in increased expenditure for the same projects. This affects the level of access to services, let us increase the number of households, including those that are indigent. Of course, the other challenge is the illegal connections to the service delivery infrastructure cause financial strain in the system. That you find that in the electricity, like you will hear about ESCOM and other areas that people are doing illegal connections. Of course, the last challenge we find ourselves in is the credibility of indigent register where municipalities do not have a system to confirm the employment status or the income bracket of the applicant. Reliance is placed on affidavits and what committees members. Of course, the AGASA findings reveal that there are discrepancies in the indigent register that we have within our municipalities, where you find that the non-qualifying individuals are also benefiting as individuals, a matter that we should be able to continue and put up systems that will be able to. But as for this ANC government, it makes sure that the safe net and the indigent are being taken care of in a manner that they will be able to access free basic services as it is insured. With this way, Honorable uh, Chairperson, I want to thank you for the opportunity and thank for having get the, the space to debate on the indigent policy. Thank you. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. Uh, on our members, we are continuing with our uh, speakers list. Uh, the next speaker is Honorable D. Plato, Western K. Chepesin Social Development. Honorable Plato. Honorable House Chair, point of order. It's Honorable Smith. Yes. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Uh, Honorable House Chair, um, I myself had respect for this honourable uh, institution, um, uh, for this August institution, and um, did not interfere or interrupt the speaker while he was speaking. But I think, uh, honourable House Chair, it is necessary for you to make a call on uh, this member who um, undermined the decorum of this house by speaking out of a vehicle. The next is somebody will sit on a toilet and speak to us. And Chairperson, uh, uh, we really have to respect for this institution. Otherwise, we will become the laughing stock, uh, which we are very fast becoming. Thank you, Chair. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. The point uh, has been taken. Uh, House Chair, uh, can I comment? House Chair, can I comment? Yes, Chief uh, the, the The point of order is acceptable, but I do not think that we should ridicule members. We should not create an impression that ourselves do not respect the house. There's not a single member that can address the house in a private room. What Honorable Smith has said is incorrect. Should be stopped from using such language because you know what, House Chair, the presiding officer has got a discretion 
to switch off the video of a member if the member is not presenting him or herself in a manner that is consistent with the decorum of the house. That member was allowed to speak. We do not know the circumstances. It's only proper that such conduct should not be allowed to repeat itself in the house because members are advised beforehand to utilize parliamentary, uh, what we call parliamentary background so that they are part of this house. But I think it's only fair for a house which respects itself to make follow-up. There are provincial whips here who have got a direct responsibility that they must act in a manner consistent to bring up such a conduct uh, so that you should not have a display of any uh, TAF issues here, like because the honorable member is from the same province. I think we should deal with such matters in a manner that builds the decorum of this house. Thanks. Thanks very much, uh, honorable uh, chief whip, honorable members. We are continuing with our debate to Cuba. Honorable D. Plato, Western Cape, Chairperson Social Development. Can you please take the podium? Honorable members, we continue with our debate. The next speaker is Honorable M. Zamini, Economy Freedom Fighters. Babu Zamini, Oru Mamu Zamini. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Honorable Member. Chairperson, I stand here on behalf of the EFF for the very first time to debate the state of indigenous support and subsidization of basic services to indigenous households. Today, 28 years into democracy, the word indigent is in South Africa is synonymous with being poor, unemployed, landless, and without prospects for a better life. It is synonymous with being black. The South African Constitution requires that all municipalities provide free basic services to members of the community who cannot afford to pay for such services. Yet gaps are evident in the supply of basic services, as a number of factors ranging from the strenuous registration process, lack of transparency, prevalence of corruption and fraud, weak administrative capacity, and poor governance structures all hamper the execution of free basic services. According to the latest statistics by Stats Essay, on the non-financial census on all 257 municipalities around the country, there are 3.6 million indigenous households identified by municipalities. This is 3.6 million households that are earning between 1,861 and 3,720 a month. Our people are impoverished and there exists within the ruling party no desire to change the status quo of our people to bridge the gap between the rich and the poor. The ruling party reinforces the subordination of black people as lesser citizens and it fails to meet any standard of a just society. It cannot be acceptable that every financial year in order to apply for the renewal of an indigent subsidy, 
that a pensioner has to first start with the collection of some form from a municipal office, then proceed to stand in line again to get proof of pension from SASA, wait in another line at a police station to get written affidavit or statement of why they must get the subsidy, and in case of a later state, go to the court and get a letter of authority. It is an exhausting task. The data systems used by municipalities such as Moonsoft, Sage, and SEP ought to be able to access data from all the above-mentioned institutions to verify information of residents. It is totally unacceptable that in the year 2022, with the vast growth of ways to enhance technology and technological systems, that the South African government is still comfortable with how far behind it is with technology and cannot explore new ways to make it useful to the general public. The ANC government claims to be for the poor. Yet they provide but a minimalistic approach to the level of free basic services offered to the people. The ruling party maintains, rather than elevate the social hardship experiences by our people. We are subjected to live under the Rainbow Nation pretense that seeks to omit the economic impact of what the apartheid regime deliberately sought to achieve, and which it did, by categorizing the living spaces occupied by a black majority as waste. So today, we have a tone-deaf government that is out of touch with the daily realities of South Africans. Backlogs are encountered in the provision of support of intended programs. Municipalities fail to achieve free distribution of sanitary pads, free electricity, free solid waste collection for indigents. Chairperson, what is needed today are solutions that are not detached from the changing socioeconomic conditions of our people. Poverty itself is a major contributor to many of the most serious social problems facing our nation today, including corruption, crime, and gender-based violence. Our country currently stands as the most unequal society in the world, and therefore the rich have the responsibility to subsidize the poor. Municipalities across all provinces should implement a property wealth tax, a special tax where the rich subsidize indigenous families and is and it is the state that must reinforce this. The indigenous subsidy needs to cover both the service and property rate charges. Increasing the debt book of debtors who clearly have no financial means to settle their municipal accounts is a futile exercise. There already exists a provision to prescribe debts that are older than three years. What is the obsession of keeping historical debt that is irrecoverable? The government for years has disguised itself as caring government that provides social grants, giving on the one hand, but taking away on the other through municipal revenue collection that cuts off services due to non-payment. It is abusive, especially when municipalities fail to provide adequate service delivery. Local government needs to find creative ways of revenue enhancement strategies. Through proper property valuations that will place properties in proper categories such as agriculture, business, and any other properties used for commercial purposes, with the correct readings for consumption, not these criminal arrangements that happen behind closed doors. We have also taken note of the exploitative tariff hikes that are implemented without consultation with the community. We know that there are municipalities that have given discounts only to those who have the means to challenge this through court proceedings. Yet do not do the same for community members who are completely unaware of this. And lastly, Chairperson, 
Although free basic service delivery improves the quality of life of the poor communities without, without job creation, free basic services alone will not lead to the substantial reduction of poverty. Thank you. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. Honorable Tuli, I was thinking that maybe we are going to say Malibongwe. How, Tuli? Uh, Honorable Members, who are continuing with our debate, the next speaker is Honorable M. Zamini. Eh, eh. Councillor, sorry. Councillor C. Kofein Salga. Uh, thank you, Madam Deputy Chair. Am I audible? Yes, you are. Thanks, uh, uh, Ma'am Gwenya. Chairperson of the NCOP in Abstemture, Honorable Masondo, Minister and Deputy Minister, MECs of respective provinces, Honorable Members of the National Council of Provinces, Special Delegates, fellow South Africans. The promise contained on the White Paper on Local Government of 1998 asserts that local government cannot be solely responsible for redistribution, and national government has a critical role to play in this regard, particularly with respect to subsidizing the provision of basic services. The 2022-2023 Division of Revenue Act continues to allocate 9.1% of nationally raised revenue to the local sphere of government. This is despite the fact that in Schedule 4 and 5 of the Constitution of the Republic, the local sphere of government is assigned 46% of constitutional functions. The national and provincial spheres of government are allocated 41.2% and 49.7% of nationally raised revenue respectively. Whilst in terms of the reference constitutional functions, the national and provincial spheres of government are assigned 39.8% and 14.5% respectively. The skewed vertical allocation of nationally raised revenue is acutely pronounced when considering the promise per the white paper on local government alluded above. Per the 22-23 DORA, municipalities are allocated 488 rand and 42 cents per month per household towards the subsidization for the provision of free basic services. This amount is supposed to cover the operations and maintenance costs for the provision of water, electricity, sanitation, and refuse removal. However, according to the study commissioned by Salga and conducted in collaboration with the Finance and Fiscal Commission in 2015, the cost for the provision of free basic services updated to today's prices amounts to 606 rand and 61 cents per month per household which indicates that the current allocation is manifestly inadequate. Further, the Endora 2023 only considers the provision of electricity, water, sanitation and refuse removal to the exclusion of other key municipal functions, such as roads and stormwaters, cemeteries, firefighting and operational buildings to be truly cost-reflective. The 22-23 daughter does not include associated costs and functions, such as the above, which local government must provide. Although national... Uh, 
Apple Treasury acknowledges that the allocation per the average costs of providing each service from available information. We urge that measures be put in place to develop realistic and cost-reflective measures to determine the true costs. For example, the Salga and FFC cost of municipal services study. According to the Stats SA non-financial census 2020, the number of indigent households benefiting from municipal indigent support systems is estimated at 3.6 million, while the estimated number of indigent households per the 22-23 daughter is 10.9 million. The disparity in the number of households benefiting from indigent support systems is influenced by the costing of the cost to provide free basic services. Hence the conclusion that based at the current allocation levels, the extent of the coverage is inadequately provided for. As organized local government, we find that the current local government equitable share formula requires high quality, verifiable and credible data that provides for predictability and stability in the transfer system. Further, we find that the LGES is insufficient to cover the real cost of free basic services for poor households. In an effort to systematically realize the desired end state as articulated in the White Paper on Local Government of 1998, which promises, when fully operational, the new system of intergovernmental transfers will enable all municipalities to deliver a package of basic services to low-income and indigenous households in their areas. We recommend that the review of the local government fiscal framework be undertaken with the necessary urgency. Secondly, the determination of the cost to provide free basic services must consider additional factors that impact on cost-providing services, such as demography, spatial geology, topography, infrastructure, status quo requirements, service level access and backlogs, as well as institutional profiling. Thirdly, that funding allocations for urban and rural areas must be based on actual costs while supporting the redistributive goals of the equitable share for local government. For national government to achieve the long-term goals of eradicating poverty, by giving support to indigents, the funding to local government must be appropriately measured to meet those aspirations. In our submission, Madam Chair, that failure to implement the review of the local government fiscal framework, the aspirations contained in the white paper on local government, shall remain a pipe dream for the majority of indigent households in our country. Local government is ready to deliver to all indigent households. Now is the time for National Treasury to adequately support us in achieving those goals. I thank you, Madam House Chair. Thanks very much, Honourable Member. Uh, Honourable mem- uh, Members, I would like you to check with the, the table that uh, is it uh, Honourable Plato, Peck, if he's not yet coming, I'll continue. Okay. If there's no response, that means he's not yet back. Honorable members who are continuing, I would like to call Honorable Baha, DA. Honorable Baha. Honorable Baha. Uh, I'm, I'm here, Chaperson. 
Um, thank you, thank you, Chairperson. Um, honorable members, honorable minister, honorable deputy minister. In 2001, South Africa adopted a policy intended for the provision of free basic services to poor households. Um, under that policy, municipalities were tasked to identify indigent households that would receive services such as water, um, electricity for free uh, or, or at uh, substantially subsidized rates. The key purpose of an indigent subsidy um, is to ensure that households consumers with no or lower income um, are, to, are not denied reasonable basic services and that the municipality is not financially burdened with non-payment of services. But many households are not benefiting at all. There are three core basic services, water, sanitation, healthcare, and education, that are constitutional rights that the state should must provide to citizens. Their subsidization, including that of electricity, are founded in the constitution, further imploring the state to provide security. Households are required to, to register with the municipalities to qualify for free basic services. A municipality's role is to vet every application, selecting only those households that meet various criteria. A municipality might not be able to service all indigent households that have successfully registered due to lack of funds or inadequate infrastructure. It is up to municipalities to determine who is indigent with municipalities determining their own criteria for identifying and registering indigents. To a large extent, this determination is based on the resources available to the municipality. Municipalities can also decide on the extent to which they, um, they subsidize an indigent household. The general rule is that indigent households are entitled to six kilowatts of free water per household, or kiloliter, sorry, uh, per month and 50 kilowatts of free electricity per household per month. The extent to which sanitation and refuse removal services are subsidized varies from municipalities to municipality. The provision of basic services to the poor should remain a top priority for government, with over half of South Africa's population in poverty and the economy in recession. Indigent status is not for life for the economic status of a family might improve over time. However, people remain jobless and are unable to get out of this mess. The concept of social security is broad and all-encompassing. It is not just about social grants. It is about creating an, an environment for human life to thrive. Given our conditions of high unemployment, high inequality, and low wages, we need to spend more time debating how an indigent household looks like. In some households, there are people who work but experience high dependency rates than others because of the number of dependents they have to look after. This may require a holistic assessment of households beyond income levels. The unfortunate part is that we live in a very corrupt society where the politically connected want to also benefit from the same coffers intended for the poor. We cannot run away from the fact that the governing party is corrupt to the core when it comes to enriching themselves before providing services to the needy. In one instance in KZN, the water tanker that was intended for the community was diverted by the most privileged leader to his own homestead 
and that is the case of the ANC government. Corruption, which has led to municipalities being placed under administration, has led to many communities not to receive any grant assistance from municipalities. This has to be addressed with immediate effect to assist the high number of unemployed and have nots in our country. We cannot have self-enriching individuals whilst others have nothing. Fortunately, this debate comes at a time when Statistics SA has concluded a census, and in the months to come, we should expect to receive some form of data. This data will be an important update on detailed analysis of households and individuals in our country. Clearly, the subsidization of indigent households cannot be left to local government alone. There has to be a coordinated national effort, lest we redefine indigent and municipalities are forced to offer higher subsidies and further erode the very limited revenue, basic and streams they have. A review of the equitable share allocation critically needed is critically needed for this purpose. Ramaphosa's cabinet blew 1.4 billion on parties, dinners, and hotels during lockdown, while 41% of households cannot feed their families anymore. Poverty is a daily reality for most South Africans. Two, for, for an example, 2,818 children under the age of five died of malnutrition in hospitals over the past three years. Narendra Modi has this to say, the ultimate objective of subsidies should be to empower the poor to break the cycle of poverty and become full soldiers in our own in our war on poverty. I thank you, Chairperson. Thanks very much, Honourable Member. The next speaker is Honourable Im Tetwa. Thank you, Honourable Chair, uh, Chairperson of the House and the Deputy Chair, Ministers, colleagues, um, uh, members of Parliament. Good afternoon. You have been greeted since morning this afternoon. afternoon. Afternoon, Chair. For the African National Congress, the ANC Chair, the social transformation strategic objective is to transform society and build a new society that is equitable, just as peaceful. In the transforming and building a new society, our strategy, our strategies for social transformation must seek to empower people to lift themselves out of the poverty while creating the adequate social net to protect the most vulnerable in our society. This strategic chairperson objective is informed by the problem, a statement that the ANC has has developed over a long period of time. That is due to the primary contradiction of the structural of the South African economy. The country economy has been experiencing sledge growth and and, um, it does not create sufficient job which was worsened by the economical impact of COVID. The current rates of unemployment impede the overall well-being of being uh, of people living in South Africa today and the recent world 
country report the places South Africa as the most unequal country in the world. Therefore, Honorable Chair, the ANC policy framework and their programs and the budget are by design meant to address this problem statement. The budget itself is informed the governing party, five years medium term strategic framework, and the, the, the biannual government provides a progress, performance, outcomes report against the seven priorities that have been set in 2020, in 2019. Social protection is one of these seven, seven and is located within the broader ANC policy, comprehensive social protection and the theory of social wage provision. This function includes programs aimed at in income protection and social, social welfare and social support for women, youth, and persons with disabilities. Over, over 18.3 million South Africans received one or other forms of social grant. The recipients of this COVID-19 social relief grant are not included in this statistic that I'm raising above. The indigent grant chair must therefore be seen within the broader policy-driven perspective of the ANC, which is acknowledged as the most progressive of many countries global when compared to the revenue base of the state. Spending priority chair by functioning group for 2022 medium-term expenditure framework, MTEF, shows the spending in the, in the community development function, which mainly provides basic services to households and where the indigenous grant to municipality is uh, located, growth at a faster rate over the 2022 MTEF, averaging at 5.5% year. The debt service cost is estimated to grow by 10.8% over the medium term under the fiscal policy and the fiscal consolidation, large reduction in employment in, in employees' compensation to ensure fiscal sustainability has been proposed and government institutions have to continue to manage the headcount and compensation to remain within the available budgets. This has led to the practical of departments having to reprioritize their budget to provide for long-standing policy priorities. This is done to ensure chair no further spending reduction are imposed on their budgets. In outlining this scenario, chair, because it has relevance to what transpired during our local government week. During the local government week, Chair, the matter of the indigenous grant rose and given the, the differentiated approach that the policy allows for municipality narrated their experience of how or not as the case was the indigenous grant is applied. What becomes clear is the discussion that the challenge which uh, which Comrade Malega 
as outlined, are coming from to the source, lack of human resources, capability, and the financial status of the municipality and the form uh, uh, and the, the 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 MEC for Cocta in KZN has also alluded into this fact. While everybody agrees and informed the guidelines attempt to apply the system, the outcome assessment and the impact assessment reveal very different results. An underlying debate is is the mismatch between what is the financially provided for the indigent grant and the actual cost of what it, what it has to be applied against. This has resulted in the vast difference we find today across municipalities. Discussion have emerged around the need for a comprehensive indigent support grant. This discussion chair takes place in the context of the state of the lack of financial sustainability of many municipalities. Some weakened by the corruption, yes, we agree, others by the integration of municipality forced them onto higher remuneration level where the financial base did not allow it and other through internal migration to certain municipalities whose revenue base is not designed to withstand such an increase. And also, in order to meet this indigent grant shortfall, many municipality chair are having to reprioritize their financial their finances to cover the shortfall. In other cases, municipalities adjust for the difference between what is received and what is the actual need as an objective state that the shortfall has consequences on those who qualify. The debate chair, of course, take us back to the uh, equitable share, both the vertical and the horizontal share. Since the horizontal share has, um, has as much as significance, the local government equitable share chair is an unconditional transfer that supplements the, the revenue that municipality can raise themselves, including revenue raised through property rates and service charges. The equitable share provides funding for municipality to deliver free basic service to poor household and subsidize the cost for administration and other cost services for those municipality with the least potential to cover this cost from their own revenue. Chairperson, municipality who provides basic service such as water, sanitation, electricity, and reticulation roads and community service, mainly with own recipients supplemental with 9% of their main budget for specific purposes. Over the, 20, of the 2022 MTEF period, transfer to, pro, uh, to provinces and municipalities are expected to grow below inflection. So here, we see the source of problem besides human resources and capability and corruption in municipality chair. The indigent grant is placed under community development service in the budget chair. 
providing basic services to lower income households and is the mainly priority, the community development function. As a result, the local government equitable share accounts for the largest portion of the expenditure and grows uh, as faster than other items in the function of the MTEF period. Almost 82% of the Department of Corporate Governance are estimated to be transferred to local government in the forms of equity share in 2022-23. A range of uh, condition grants is allocated to local government to help fulfill their mandate. In some cases, these direct transfer are converted to, uh, to indirect allocation that um, indirect allocation that nationally departments spend on, on behalf of the municipality. The object of this is to give national department more flexibility in using the funds where they are most needed while strengthening the governance. National departments are expected to improve monitoring and, regu- and regulatory compliance through periodical reports and building capacity. The serious of this debate, Chairperson, therefore, is that the intention of conditional grant, the, uh, the indigent grant, is under some several risk as the, uh, the broader equitable shares challenges for municipality plays out around their financial sustainability. But we are talking about conditional grant which we would expect are ring fans. No, so as we listen to the deliberation in the local government week. So the ANC Jefferson policy intention of the indigenous grant is to partially being meant to, to, to the range of reason. I have outlined, and this is the serious matter for this debate, Chair. What is in no doubt is that there is a greater need for social protection, especially chair for the indigents given the state of economy, uh, low growth and rising inflation on a daily basis. Experience during the pandemic proves that the fruit of economic growth and recovery are generally unfairly distributed and that the poor can end up poorer even during the times when economical growth is positive. These insights are of a particular importance, Chair, at a time when South Africa government and the government across the globe are considering continuing relief and the increasing social, social security transfer to their citizens. While the raising of tax may may seem undesirable, it is important to realize the the unable large negative impact of of inequality in society. Tax which is paid by all in society has an important redistributive role. The financial reliance of household share is important for micro uh, micro monikim and the financial stability consumption uh, typically account for about 60% of the GDP. 
the COVID-19 pandemic and the ensuring the, lo- the lockdown amount to a very large negative shock, forcing households around the country to grapple with the, re- with the reduced hours. Floor left and the, uh, outright unemployment. The depth of the, um, of the recession is duration and the space of recovery hides on how well household can weather this shock or provision of services and grant has been the most effective means by which the government has been able to fight poverty and its effect. And at this point, it has further been affirmed during the pandemic. In coming to conclusion, Chair, in conclusion, the review of the local government capacity building system, which started in 2021 with the implementation envisaged to start in 2023, is very helpful in that it will address a number of the issues that have been raised. Such initiative will enhance municipal performance, the strengthening of own municipality. Revenue stream through development charges will play a critical role in financing the infrastructure related to projects and boost both economical growth and local government growth. Supplementary revenue source to supplement municipality revenue is critical, Chair, and um, any, any reviewal synchronized with the district development model, DDM, <clears throat> which seeks to address the critical issues of municipality finance servicing delivery failures. While revenue source for municipality remain a primary challenge, Chair, municipality must improve their efficiency and quality of spending, which is poor, which is poor with cooperative support from the national and provincial spheres of government. All of this chair effort are to ensure that the indigenous do receive what is uh, what is they deserve. I thank you very much, Chair, for this debate. Thank you so much. Thanks very much, uh, Honorable Nyambose. Uh, Honorable members, we continue with our debate. I would now like to call Honorable K.O. Bapela, Deputy Minister of Gokta. Thank you very much, Chairperson, and thank you very much to all participants in the debate, uh, all the speakers uh, for your comments. Let me start with a quote by Mandela. One uh, quote, overcoming poverty is not a gesture of charity. It is the protection of fundamental human right, the right to dignity and decent life. Closed quote. And he further, uh, in another quote, said, while poverty persists in society, there's no true freedom. So it means, therefore, that, uh, honorable members, we live in a society where there will always be vulnerable people. And, and, and currently, unfortunately, due to triple challenges uh, in South Africa of poverty, unemployment, and inequality, which honorable members had alluded to, gave a uh, quality information along the debate. It means this is our problem and we must then find solutions uh, together so that we could then overcome this triple challenge so that there's less 
people who are dependent on social grants, but we have more people who will then be in a job because we'll have improved the economy and, and then also the economy that is inclusive and an economy that can absorb a majority of people into it. Yes, vulnerable people will still be there, uh, female-headed houses, uh, children that are orphans, people with disabilities, the old age that cannot afford some of the, the programs or paying services to the municipality. They will still remain the beneficiaries of this indigence policy. I therefore welcome all the comments uh, and the, in the debate and all members without exception have supported the program on the indigence. No one said it's not a good program or it's not welcomed. Yes, they did indicate weaknesses and the challenges along the way, which uh, some they also provided solutions to them. We'll definitely take on those particular sol- solutions and then may factor them in the review that is taking place, uh, the review of local government 21 years thereafter. And some of them will be integrated in that review uh, as the things that can work to better the local government system in South Africa and obviously uh, leave those things that are no longer useful in the local government uh, system 21 years down the line. And then and the good lessons obviously will help us to do. And, and honorable members, particularly from the ANC, had indicated that the indigence is just part one of the programs. Uh, there are so many social grants that are there. A majority of you knows them, the grants that were equalized by the ANC. If you remember, uh, whites used to, to, to end every month and blacks will only be after every second month. They are now equally benefiting and they expanded the program uh, to all national groups. We have expanded to all the children. Uh, the grants uh, are now being earned by all, irrespective of their color creed. And, uh, and then the indigent policy at the municipal level is for all. And, 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 and is not, yes, majority are blacks and Africans, but there are those that are also there as, as beneficiaries. Uh, uh, free schooling by having the free fee schools is one of the expanded programs to help in, in, in dealing with poverty uh, situation. And then also a meal a day for almost 9 million children a day is something that is also a program. And many, many others that uh, you could then mention that ANC had initiated to ensure that we are able to help the most vulnerable and the poverty-stricken people of our country. And uh, that was the debate was helpful, unfortunately, there are opposition parties that were theatric about saying the ANC must be voted out of power and so forth. And obviously it's up to the ANC to go and communicate all these goods that we are doing and offering our people to do what Mandela said, that is not a guest of a, a, a charity, but it is for a fundamental human right, a right to dignity and a decent life. And this is what all these programs are geared for. And, 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 and then obviously with the communication going well to the people, I don't see the ANC being voted out of power. But obviously it's in the nature of the politics. And, uh, but otherwise, honorable members did really provide quite a number of useful points, which will definitely take on board. The, the, the issue of the, the, the corruption, definitely the ANC is dealing with corruption. And, uh, and the government has just launched 
at the local government sector level. The anti-corruption forum this week, uh, including the ethical leadership initiative. And next week, when we are in local government summit for the two days, the mayors, the municipal managers, the CFOs, the speakers will all be a signatories to a pledge that says, let's then begin to build blocks that can then prevent corruption from happening in our society, particularly in the municipalities, so that the resources then can go to service delivery, improve on the services that have not yet reached people, so that the indigent can also now benefit because the infrastructure issues have not been cleared and, 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 and accessible to all, and the services are there. We fully agree with all the speakers who said social grants is not a sustainable long-term uh, sustainable program, and we need to be able to grow our economy, uh, which is going to be inclusive to ensure, therefore, that all can then work. We'll make sure, therefore, that the indigent policy is expanded to reach all, as the South Africa said, uh, out of the 10.1 million, only 3.5 million reach uh, that particular program. We'll work in this program that I I already indicated, the national indigency policy and, uh, and, and, and the, the guidelines that we have developed as COCTA to ensure that we help the municipalities to be able to improve their, their data and their records and that they are able to go out to the people and say, come in, this program exists for you. Verify them, obviously, after those applications have been received and then to determine whether they qualify or not. And those that are vulnerable and who are deserving beneficiaries for these programs be enlisted so that they can also enjoy so that we can reach to the 10.1 million that the state SA says we are far from reaching that particular target. And, uh, and, and then obviously continuously support the municipalities using the new technology, the radio, the television and new communication means and systems that we can partner with some of these institutions to ensure that we are able to, to reach as many people and this program then to be expanded. The guidelines were developed uh, in 2021. We are still new going to the municipalities. We just have to follow up, particularly the honorable members that spoke about improving our oversight mechanism and accountability. You could also use that particular uh, national indigenous policy framework guidelines for of 2021 as to whether COCTA itself is driving it in the provinces and also driving it at national and municipalities are adopting it, and then they are able then to, to reach. As the mission of the, the, the ruling party, the ANC says, building a better life for all. Uh, this is an historic mission. We are indeed on the right path. We are building a better life for all, not only because we provide all the grants, but we also have to work harder uh, to, to ensure that our economy grows. But as you know, that the economy is dependent on what's happening globally, but we are on the right track. And honorable chair, with those, I just want really to welcome all and, uh, and say the ANC will rule and the ANC will continue to govern. And those who wish it away, they must know that we are on the A right track. A very path. long five minutes. Thanks, thanks very tales. much, uh, honorable member. Um, that uh, concludes the debate. I wish to thank the Deputy Minister, Mrs. Salga, a representative, all parliament, and special delegate.
for availing themselves for the debate. Uh, the House is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Honorable Mgwenya. Thank you, Mama. Thank you.